Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, July 26, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm back. I am alive. I am okay. Sorry for being gone as long as I was. It's been a long time since I've been, I think it was over three days now without a show. Trust me, it was harder for me than it was for all of you. Uh, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. For those who don't know, I, I, long story short, I had a, a sort of a moment that makes you reflect on, you know, really kind of realize how you come to terms with how old you actually are. I was leaving the office and I slipped on a stair and basically kind of fell down the stairs on the way out. Kind of embarrassing. And it just kind of exacerbated the problems I was already having with my back. I was a little, I'm still sort of worried, a little worried it was going to be something that was a lot bigger. It was going to last. I've been dealing with back issues my entire life. So thank you for all of your concern out there. I am doing okay. I'm just a little bit, you know, long story short, I have a whole show lined up today. I've really been off my feet the last three days. If I can't, basically, I'm going to go through as much as I can today. Maybe all of it. Maybe one portion. We'll see what I get to. And I'll cut it short if I need to based on, you know, not wanting to hurt this even more than it already is. But thank you for all of your support out there. It's uh, for those that have back issues, you know what it's like. It's just kind of it becomes kind of just a, a commonplace thing in your life that you just you know, you deal with and you, it's just, everyone's like, go to the doctor. And it's like, it's just not something you really, you know, I've got chiropractors I've spoken to and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. The point is that this is important to me and whether or not this is something that's always going to be there, I'll find ways to get to the show and get things done and get the work out there because this has to keep going. It really does. This is just the most important thing that I think any of us are, you know, quite frankly, ever been involved in. I mean, that's how I, I see how this is all going right now because as somebody else coined, um, I forget who that was actually, as I bring up this chat for myself, it's like that we are on the front lines of an information war, right? Somebody, somebody compared this to like the French Revolution kind of a concept that what we're doing, what you're doing in the chat is, it's, it's very important. And it, it, it's important for us to power through even our own hardships and keep doing what we're doing because I swear to you, we're making a difference. I can see it. You know, so even even as I told people are doing a show today, I said, no, take your time, rest, west up. And I just can't. I just can't. There's too much going on. And so today is kind of going to be an overview of the last so many days. It's not going to be an incredibly deep dive on any one thing in particular. A lot of important information in some cases that I haven't really seen addressed anywhere else. But it's going to be kind of a rapid succession overview of a lot of different topics. Let's see if we can't get this done quicker than usual. So for my for, for my interest. So let's let's jump right in today, and we're going to start with a couple of quick points that I want to add as we as we tend to do, and we're really going to go over just in in a lot of it does connect in a larger way as you'll see the Great Reset kind of Twitter X Neuralink and there's a lot, all these things fitting together, but we're going to start with a couple of interesting points that I think are a lot of distraction or just kind of noteworthy UFO discussions. Very strange. I'm going to talk about some U.S. foreign policy to let you know what's going on there. Again, kind of overview of some important things that have to do with Israel, Ukraine. But then we're really going to do a, an important part about Twitter, X, we, the, the, the everything app, the WeChat overlap, where this historically, the information comes from, where the name comes from, and what this all really shows us. It's very concerning because it's exactly what we've expected. Right now, as far as I can tell, even from those of us that have engaged with the blue check, it's just a, a phone number for most of us that was already on file from long ago when we signed up. That's myself included. 
if I was going to, when I first went to do this, after getting my account back, when I said that I would, I, I, I wouldn't have done anything other than probably nothing to be quite honest. And then when it was my number and there was nothing to do, I just, great, let's sign up. When it becomes, which I, I, I think we all feel coming, something else, some kind of biometric, some kind of verification, which we see happening everywhere. Right now, even YouTube, I can't even open up a, a private window chat anymore. It doesn't even work. They're blocking anonymity everywhere possible. So when we see this kind of concerning direction, I just I feel, I feel like this is where it's going to begin to populate this entire discussion where we're going to have to be for like even I just pointed out the other day with Twitter. I, it's hard not to see the flow of information there for someone that does what I do. It's hard not to see the value. And I'm doing my best to try to not put my eggs in the one basket. But I, I also see it kind of happening to where ultimately that rug we pulled out and we'll feel it'll almost it'll be a detriment to what we're doing to not work with something like that, even though it'll be in our best interest not to. So we're going to go over why that's so concerning. And we've been watching this the entire time and kind of painting this picture. We're going to talk about COVID-19 overlap a little bit and the concerns with the injections, just, you know, breaking news. These things are killing people. Shocking that we've been reporting for three years now. And it's all starting to kind of trickle back out through these people, the, the you know, middle ground news. We're going to talk about the transgender conversation, CBDCs, climate change, or a part of that. We'll see what we get to today. But I'm going to start with, oh, that's the middle. I was just looking. I want to give Graveyard Pirate a little shout out again. He would just share this video with us right. where he's building, that's him talking in the background, his, his little uh, tiny home on a trailer. And he's been giving us video updates about this. I'm just really inspired by this. And I think that everybody out there should, you know, see the value in something like this. I know everyone thinks they want all this space and all these possessions, but you know, I feel like, you know, maybe, maybe not everybody comes to realize this, but I think a lot of people come to realize as they grow older, that there's, you know, more valuable things in life than possessions and space. And, and, you know, all the, this, this is something, at least for me personally, I really connect with. I just love what he's doing. So I'll include this for you guys to check out. Maybe you'll give some tips there. He's been giving you updates and kind of keeping track of his progress. I also want to point out this really absurd UFO conversation that's been circulating. I'm not going to get into it today. Quite frankly, as I've said before, I just don't know. I, I give my opinion on this many times, many times, give my opinion on this many times. I, I, it's like, the same thing I do with injections or other conversations. If what we know about space is correct, as always, that's a big if today. There's so many things that we, that's, that should be the beginning of literally every conversation. And that makes people super uncomfortable. They're like, there are things we just know. Well, you know, we, we are things we all agree on, but the things that we know historically kind of end up being things we don't, you know, earth is flat. No, it's not. You know, these, however these things work. And then today people would argue it's still flat. The point is that these things evolve and all the things that we absolutely know, if history showed us anything, it's that what we know tomorrow is turns out to be wrong. I mean, you just you can go through history and see these things, whatever, even right now, what we think we understand about science, about vaccines, about any number of things. One at one point in the future may turn out to be, oh, here's how we were wrong. Here's how we kind of had it right. But here's what we were missing. So my point in saying any of that is every conversation, especially those we're told not to challenge, we should challenge entirely. So in this case, if, if what we know about outer space is correct. It seems logical that there would be something out there. Mathematically speaking, it almost seems like a near impossibility for there not to be something else. But all that aside, that is kind of a completely independent conversation from whether or not this might be used by people in power. The idea of it may be real things. 
Like you realize those are both possible. The idea that they can entirely fabricate this if it if based on something that's never real and it's a big complete psyop, or they could fabricate it knowing that it's real to use it against us, or they could use real things and manipulate us with it, or they could be using real things to try to teach us things. I mean, there's so many. The point is, how do you vet this? As an as an, a person out there, as you are likely in people in this community right now watching, care about the truth, care about not just going along with narratives or you know acting on half information, but want to know for sure. How do you actually vet something like this? And that's where I kind of leave it at the moment, where I'm like, well, sure, I, it's not, I'm not going to dismiss it. But at the same time, historically, when we've covered this a lot throughout history, or throughout well, history in, in general as, as a population, but on T-Lab for years now, just the evolution of this conversation. I mean, for those that are just acting like this is a new thing, Realized that that guy from Blink-182 did this weird little surge in this conversation years ago, and that kind of fell off. And that even at that time, it was like, this is real. We all know it. Then it just went away. Or even before that, you could point out how there have been numerous presidents in this country, countless presidents around the world and other countries that have on the record throughout the years come out and said, yeah, totally real. UFOs, aliens, real. Or people in NASA that have come out and said things. I've pointed this out so many times, and I know it sounds so ludicrous. It sounds like it's completely made up, but it's not. And it's you can look it up. It's you type it in, and it comes up. The point is, more than one person at NASA has argued these things are real. One of which is on the record saying that alien spaceships use, I think it was the rings of Jupiter to charge their spaceships. And I, I said that, I said, that can't be real. And sure enough, I, it's a real person that works for NASA. And the point is that how is this conversation so out there, so much revelation, so many informational points, people in power, and yet only now, not just now going, okay, you got us, it's real, but like, let's investigate. Let's have people and disclosures and congressional hearings. Like, really? I just, I just, something about this feels like ludicrously suspicious that's just even that is a doesn't do the justice now all that being said the point is now live u.s navy commander tells congress of small white ufo which don't forget just means unidentified flying object so we tend to think ufo alien but that really only means it's an object that we can't identify right now and then of course we have the hearings You'll see this everywhere. I'm not going to play him right now. The point is, this is just people in Congress. This person's talking about, you know, he knows the exact locations where they were provided, talking about UAPs, which again stand for, this is, you know, UFO is one thing. They're basically similar. I'm not sure why they came up with a different term. Unidentified aerial phenomena, which I think is meant to be more so like, we don't know if it's a vehicle, right? It could be energy. That's kind of like more of a step in the direction of the entirely unknown. But the point is still unexplained doesn't mean alien could or rather you know extraterrestrial but the point is that this is what they're talking about now so this could mean outer space some other planet it could mean next level technology by parts of intelligence that the military is not aware of or vice versa or other countries doing this that our military is not aware of or vice versa you see the point and so there's a lot of assumption already happening but you can see even here, we got this discussion where this guy's quite literally talking about biological pilots from crashed crafts. So obviously right there, that doesn't mean human. Otherwise, they would say that. I just don't know why this is something that's not... Everything about this raises my, my skepticism like more than anything. So you found alien bodies and you're just disclosing this in front of Congress. Why now? You see what I'm saying? Like this, this is nothing about this adds up to me. Now that doesn't that all, all that said does not mean that it's false. I'm just 
I'm going to let this develop before we even begin to start parsing. I just feel like we're being distracted, quite frankly. Everything in my body is telling me that this is not what it looks like, but that's just my personal gut feeling. But hey, if you guys that follow this platform, my gut feelings have pretty much panned out to be right. Pat myself on the back as I stretch, right? But the Empire Files point something else out that I think is really important. Wonder if all the UFO stuff suddenly being entertained by Washington has anything to do with this. Oh, look at that. March 13th of this year, U.S. Space Force budget hits $30 billion in its 2024 proposal. Very well could just be we need reasons to can justify the funding. Now, I know we don't like to fall back on the most benign story, but, you know, Occam's razor, all things being considered equal, the, the simplest explanation tends to be the correct one. Not always. Tends to be. Can be more abstract. But, you know, these days especially, we're thinking abstract and grand agendas and conspiracy theories, which are real. They're at least real in the sense that they're possible, of course. But this makes far more sense, doesn't it? But let's keep an eye on it. Now, Hunter Biden, you might have seen circulating in the news recently. Now, of course, just not forget, June 20th, Hunter Biden pled guilty to, fact, to federal tax charges. I'm not, I guess it's in this land of the elitists where you can just do what you want all the time. And, you know, where you get charged with massive crimes, but don't really get arrested. And you get walked. You know, everything's different in the land of the elitists. Probably all just a big show anyway, but the point is that he pled guilty. We remember this. First of all, why it's only tax charges and a gun charge is what you should be screaming into the wind right now. Yeah, that's all that happened, right? Tax things and a gun charge. Really? My God, after everything we've seen. And now that we even know for sure, which we knew anyway in the beginning, the laptop is real. And how much is on there? Like, really? This is a big puppet show, guys. It's pathetic. But then even worse, now they just delayed the, the plea deal. Now what it says here. Oh, I think it's the next one. This was just the delay. Oh, it says right here. A deal for Hunter Biden to plead guilty to a pair of misdemeanors. Which, by the way, that's it. Yeah, that's all that's on the docket. While avoiding prosecution. So not even, right, this basically plead to small misdemeanors and we all act like that all got worked out, right? But even then, maybe something's changing. With a snag, where the judge in this case unexpectedly putting off the decision. Maybe because this isn't acceptable to the judge. I don't know. Everyone's speculating. The judge overseeing the case... Norieka deferred her decision on approving the deal between Biden and federal prosecutors on Wednesday afternoon, the latest twist in a political charge case that seemed to have been sewn up just hours earlier. Now, this is on Bloomberg saying Hunter Biden pleads guilty in last minute revised deal. So essentially it went back and forth. There was discussions where it was essentially pled guilty in June, but then it was sort of like Blaine pled not guilty for a second. And then last second came back and guilty. And then so there's it's very strange. But here's just the crux of it for, as we see, and again, this is kind of developing today. The deal now on hold, uh, let's see this. Yeah, this one was, yes, yeah, an hour ago. The deal now on hold aimed to cap a five-year investigation into Biden's tax affairs. Yeah, real strong investigation. Some more, more like a false cover-up focusing on things that aren't important while we let off the massive overseas deals and criminal activity and potential sex crimes. But aimed to cap a five-year investigation into Biden's tax affairs and business dealings that culminated with federal prosecutors alleging he failed to pay more than $100,000 in income tax on at least $1.5 million in income he received in 2000. Yeah, I mean, why don't we care more about where the income came from than that he didn't? See, you know, you know what this always shows me? The government's more concerned with getting its cut from the illicit deals than actually being accountable for the illicit deals. As long as you give them their cut, here's our $100,000. It's mafia. How does that not show you exactly what we're always talking about? The proposed agreement has become a lightning rod for conservatives who claim the Justice Department failed 
to fully investigate the business dealings of the Biden family, which is like literally on full display right now. It's not a conservative thing. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just the reality, including President Biden and gave Hunter Biden politically favorable treatment, which quite literally has been verified. On Tuesday night, House Republicans asked the judge to throw out the plea agreement, a highly unusual step in a criminal case. So the judge, or excuse me, House Republicans asked the judge to throw it out. Representative Jason Smith, chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, filed a brief urging the judge to consider the testimony of two internal revenue service investigators who during a panel claimed Hunter Biden received preferential treatment from the Justice Department, according to the filing, a copy of which was seen by Bloomberg. So as far as I can tell, that's what we see right this moment. Something's going on. I would love it if this was some kind of a tip the, you know, tip the, flip the table over. Suddenly people are going to jail. That would be great to see. I'm not going to hold my breath. Call me jaded. That tends to be the reality, but I'm hoping, hoping for the best. And in other lunacy world, this is real. These are real people. This actually isn't a parody account. These are the kind of people that exist within the two-party paradigm. In this case, the left, but the two-party paradigm, whatever side you're on, this is the kind of lunacy where you just completely ignore the reality and force in the narrative because it makes you feel better. It says, listen up, stupids. There is no Hunter Biden laptop. What exists is a disembodied hard drive that Rudy Giuliani farted on. Here's a dose of reality. Someone hacked Hunter Biden's iPhone. They stole his data and downloaded it to a laptop. Oh, well, that's what's that called? Isn't that called a conspiracy theory with there's no evidence at all? Hmm. A laptop, not Hunter Biden's laptop. Interesting choice. The hackers mixed some of Hunter Biden's actual data with a lot of fake BS. Forensic analysis proved this. Now, look, it's not impossible that that's what happened. Right. We're always we're talking. I mean, right now you got Meeks, who is in the, the, the throes of an investigation for child pornography. Now, in the beginning, even conservatives were arguing that maybe it was because he was going after, in some way, Biden's story of Afghanistan. I didn't believe that from the get-go. Now it's kind of completely inverted. Now conservatives are going, see, Democrats are pedophiles. It's just funny how the story becomes whatever they want it to be. But the point is, you have people who are in media, in the two-party paradigm, who are accusing people of criminal activity and then are actual pedophiles. Or, if potential, he was framed for that possible. You know, who knows? The point is, the evidence seems to suggest that he's just a creep. But the bottom line is that it's certainly possible that they fake this. We know that this happens in especially political level espionage, but the evidence right now seems to point very clearly one direction. In fact, the forensic evidence that sh- I, where's that? I don't know. I mean, and I'm I'm not entirely focused on the Hunter Biden story, but if you have some forensic evidence that proves that somebody faked this, I'd sure love to see it. I'll talk about it. But his laptop's hard drive made its way to Rudy, Rudy Giuliani. The drive may have also passed through the hands of as many as 40 people. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when there's investigation going on, when people are, which is certainly a good point to make. It passed hands. Is there any electronic evidence that things were happening from that point forward? That matters, doesn't it? Your so-called evidence is effing worthless. Wow. So the reality that you can have hardcore evidence proving something, but because you've got a narrative that suggests that it was all fabricated, which is certainly possible. Isn't that interestingly flip things on its ear where you're over here screaming, we're all fake news conspiracy theorists because of things we say, but then you float something as far as I can tell, that's literally baseless. And there was evidence in your hand, but you go, this is what two party have the two party illusion does to people. You've been convinced. I mean, look, we see it aggressively on the right all over the place where you've been convinced. Let's take Trump, for example, that the, and it's not always important to show both sides of this, but this is an important side because the point is you have this happening. It's not about left or, you know, this side and then counterbalance. It's about realizing the bigger point that the two party illusion is the is the most important thing stopping change. We have people that would say 
you know, all the evidence would come out about any number of things on the right, Trump, for example, that would just entirely ignore it because, well, there must be an example. I bumped up against that all during Trump's administration. I'm like, what do you mean there must be an ex? So what is it? Well, I don't know. So you're saying there must be an explanation. And so in doing saying that you're ignoring evidence, but you don't even have the reasoning for why that that's just it's lunacy. Same thing here. This person is so hell bent on arguing that this is re- fake, then he just was willing to float this kind of idea. But the point is, this is now beginning to circulate. Unbelievable, but it's real. People like that exist. Now, on the last point before we, we jump into the Twitter conversation, or excuse me, excuse me, foreign policy for a minute and then to Twitter, this is really unnerving. This is, what just happened here with, with uh, Mitch McConnell is just, it shows you, and there's a lot of these people if we're talking about people like like Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, or, you know, there's a lot of people all, all across the spectrum in politics right now that are, I mean, this is why we've talked about the idea of these geriatric dementia drugs. There, there's more, I think the last stat I saw was something like almost half of people in Congress are on some level of, of you know, dementia level drugs or some kind of geriatric drugs, which is incredible. Now, look, the people go through that process, but the reality that you're in the position to make very serious decisions that infect our lives and yet, that affect our lives, and yet you're it potentially taking drugs that literally do affect your mental clarity on top of the actual illness you're taking them for, which definitely affects your mental clarity. How about just Biden in general, right? I mean, it's cr- incredible. But here's Mitch McConnell. And this is really unnerving. Now, quite frankly, just like with Biden, it makes me feel sad. I feel bad for the guy until I then realize that these people are war criminals that have allowed the worst things to happen to people around the world. And I don't feel so bad anymore. But just because, you know, you have people in your life that you see this in, it's sad because this is a struggling individual. Now, whether this is because of things he's doing and drugs he's taking or the vaccine he took or who, because he's getting old. The point is, who's really in charge here? Now, true, the answer, we know this question, or I don't argue anybody knows that answer. But the point is, this is not me saying who's in charge. I thought he was in charge. As some people commenting think, hey, stupid, well, you thought he was in charge. It's like, no, man, I'm trying to make a point. I, I know about BlackRock and Vanguard and all these different arguments everyone makes. The point is, just float the idea. Some people out there really believe that these people are in charge. Now, when you see this, ask yourselves if that's true to you. Cooperation and a string of uh, uh, let's just go on. He's clearly having spoken for. What I can't stand about this kind of stuff. Here, just watch the beginning again. Arson cooperation and a string of uh, a string of uh, it shows off. And you know, what reminds me of quite frankly. With all these videos we see of these people freezing up and actually cutting, you know, I, I'm not assuming anything, but the vaccine kind of stuff, but this is exactly what we've seen a lot of, the neurological issues. But either way, we don't know. We could just be old, right? This is serious. And what really bothers me about this is how nobody, it's like, this should be immediately addressed. Don't just act like nothing happened. Everything is so, so airbrushed and fake in everything that they do. 
come right back and be like, he clearly just had a he just had a stroke or something's wrong. We're figuring it out. He clearly just had a medical emergency. We all just saw that. But no, right? Act like he just decided he was done talking. Everything's fine. That's how this game is played with these people. But then ask, you know, the way all these handlers, you want to just go back to your office, like something's wrong. This person is not really making decisions if this is where these people are. And of course, you could argue that that was just now start. But we've seen these things develop with a lot of these people. It's not the first time we've seen these little moments. But it is sad. Now, also remember, these people are making very, very, very serious, or at least the ones delivering the very, very serious decisions in foreign policy. Right. As they're sitting there unable to blink or make decisions or speak because they're suffering some kind of stroke. They're also making decisions to send your tax dollars to murder people in Ukraine or to appoint people like Newland as the acting deputy secretary of state, you know, as the Biden example, which just happened. As he writes, Biden's administration is not looking to wind down its proxy war against Russia. And you as seen by putting someone like Newland in a position of more power. Scary. This is a lunatic. Uber Russia Hawk Victoria Newland rises to acting deputy, deputy secretary of state. And this is what it looks like to be a central player in the in the game, in the illusion, right? She has been a part of what's been going on for a long time, and which and doesn't matter how detested she is by most of America, she will continue to rise up the ranks, just like we keep seeing, right? Rachel Maddow, you lie, 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 you get promoted, right? Just like any of the rest of them. That's why Elliot Abrams has now got a position again, because, well, he didn't do enough terrible things in Venezuela and all around the world. Or how about people like, I mean, it's it's obvious. As the same old point goes, every single person who aggressively got Iraq and WMDs wrong got promoted for it. Everyone who got it right got kicked to the side. Learn your lesson from that. They're not being paid to get it right. That's what we need to understand. The people that did were doing it because they thought they needed to. They didn't understand their job or because they thought it was more important. And they got kicked aside for it. Now, in Ukraine, the area which they're specifically Newland and the rest of them are focused on, and again, people like Mitch McConnell are making decisions on, the people they're funding with your tax dollars and your money that's being spent on war crimes like cluster bombs, cluster munitions, just killed, using those cluster munitions, a journalist, a war correspondent. His name was Zuravlev. They used cluster munitions. And murdered this journalist, which is not new. They've been aiming at them all over the place. Emma Bartlett, Patrick Lancaster, Wyatt Reed, they've been reporting on this, having their hotels bombed. But of course, your, your, your excellent journalists at the mainstream media couldn't care less about that. They could. <laughs> it says, correspondents from Izevstia and RIE Novastia were about to document artillery attacks by Ukraine using the illegal cluster munitions given to them by the United States and the UK on residential areas, right? Which, which nobody seems to care about. Residential areas, but that's the part they leave out. Four of them were rushed to a field hospital, but Zaralev, uh, uh, Zura, Zura Vlev, Zura Vlev, excuse me, succumbed to his injuries. Three others have non-life-threatening injuries, which they'll tell you. They were, they were, but the point is, it doesn't matter what they say. Oh, so you're reporting on the other side of the story? So you, you're a Nazi then, as they're fighting Nazis, right? Talking about the Ukrainians and the Ukrainian sycophants on Twitter calling anybody on the Russian side a Nazi. Or, or if it's a journalist covering another side, well, their work, they're worthy of being killed because they're reporting for Russia. See, this is the kind of thing that your government supports. It doesn't matter what side they're on. They're a journalist. They're supposed to be protected. The point is, you look online. Of course. Come on. 
Yeah, see, it's still there. Isn't that interesting how Twitter seems to be trying to cover this up? Now, this is the kind of thing we keep seeing. What do you mean you're unable to see this tweet? Here's the tweet right here. And what you'll see, what it's saying, this person, Alex, this person here, Alex Karakov, Karkachov, I am so bad with their names, is justifying the murder of a journalist with NATO weapons. Why? Well, because he's Russian and had a different point of view. Now, this is not her opinion. That's what he's saying. Oh, look, it's a, quote, journalist, which doesn't matter what you think he's doing. Whether you are a journalist that lies all the time, like all of our corporate media in the West, or somebody who tells the truth, that actually doesn't matter in the context of the way the international law regards journalists. You're a journalist. You're reporting the story, whether intentionally, dishonestly or not. Of course, what's happened in Ukraine is they've openly and blatantly targeted and murdered them, like the blogger that was point blank assassinated in his car, and they all celebrated it. Or the people that were discussed on the media, where they said that they attacked and killed these journalists. Or the fact that all of your corporate media, including even the Atlantic Council, wrote about how Ukrainians were murdering journalists all the way up until Russia invaded and then it became a fake story. This is not new. He says that they, but he was a, a journal, a, a, a quote journalist, but a Russian propagandist. And because he was saying the wrong thing, well, it's good that we killed him. You're supporting this if you support Ukraine. I guess it's okay to kill anyone he deems a propagandist, so he runs cover for Ukraine's war crimes. Like, it doesn't even matter what your opinion is, because this is what the government's allowed you to do, to act like, well, they're bad, so it doesn't even matter. So you're okay with war crimes then, as long as it's against people you don't like, which makes you a complete infant, both intellectually and foreign policy-wise. It doesn't matter. You don't understand what you're talking about if you're going, it's okay to murder them. It's okay to use cluster munitions, because they do. (laughs) You're six years old. That means you're saying, let's use war crime. Let's use, uh, what's that, not war, illegal munitions. (laughs) Let's use munitions that are considered a war crime because they're using them. That's the absolute last thing a country that is acting like the, the good guy is supposed to do. You're supposed to be the example. But no, that's not how this works because the reality is these Western governments are the last thing that they're pretending to be. They're the exact opposite. That doesn't make the other side the good guy side. These governments are out to manipulate you. But just realize how disgustingly wrong everything is that's happening here. You got people in the West who are acting like they're supportive of democracy and free speech and freedom who are cheering the murder of a journalist because he's Russian. This, as Just like with the rest of these false discussions, the Andrew Tate side of this or whatever else we're talking about, they are rising up the worst of humanity and framing it like the, you know, like with him, a paragon of manhood. Thank God Milk Bar TV destroyed that whole conversation. I have a tweet here to include because, you know, exposed this person because it's exactly what we've been saying. You got this artificial reality raising up the false dynamic of either side, and most of us don't ascribe to any of it. But you got the worst of humanity over here cheering on the murder of people because the government said it was okay. Makes me sick. Now, another government doing that right now is the Israeli government, actively murdering people in occupied Palestine. And of course, the governments don't care. And the running for president, RFK Jr., doesn't, also doesn't seem to care. Here's a quick clip where he talks about something that we're not supposed to say out loud, which is that Israel has nuclear weapons, but that's not supposed to be real. It's, it's ridiculous. But here's what he said. It's really quick. Israel's use of a nuclear weapon is not going to happen unless it's attacked. And that, we know that. 
So he says Israel's use of nuclear weapons is not going to happen unless it's attacked. We know that. First of all, that's a stupid statement in general. You know my opinion on his stance. I, like I said before, I, most of what RFK is doing, I really agree with and I like. I want to believe in this person, aside from the fact that the entire system is broken and your vote doesn't matter. But, you know, hey, all that aside, I want to believe in this person. But the bottom line is that his stance on Israel is morally indefensible. I've said that every time. There is no, and people, you can argue that he's just doing this to get elected. He's going to change. Sure, that's, a, that's an assumption. I hope you're right. I don't know why we would assume that. Did he say that? <laughs> no. So it'd be a pretty dangerous assumption. Now, the point is that, first of all, I'll just read what I said. He's either misrepresenting the reality of the Zionist government for any number of reasons, one of which could be he just wants to get elected. One, of, one could be also that he doesn't care, or one could be that he is on their side. But either way, or doesn't know just how wrong he is while he, quote, champions for Israel. He said that. I am a champion for Israel. Either way, it's concerning. Also, one of the most important parts nobody seems to ask is Israel still outwardly pretends it doesn't have nukes, despite Netanyahu sheepishly accidentally saying it more than once and then still denying it because that's how childish this all is. They are the only country in the world that has what's called nuclear ambiguity. God, no special treatment there. Of course not. The point is, I'll just skip right past that because nobody wants to talk about the reality that RFK apparently is willing to dance this dance. That we, we're not going to outwardly admit they have them, but we'll pretend they won't use them unless they're attacked. This is a politician, guys. Now, again, maybe he's doing this for a greater good. I certainly hope so. I just can't support being a politician ever again. Be honest. And you know what? Maybe that'll make you not get elected, and so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not seeing the bigger picture. I'm tired of this. Because what he's saying is ridiculous. First of all, Israel has outwardly and repeatedly shown itself to be capable of that and more. Just like the U.S. government. You think for one second they wouldn't use these things if they thought it was in their best interest and they wouldn't be accountable for it? You're damn right they would. They've made that abundantly clear. And here's just a couple of quick examples, you know, because we're not going to listen to the leading human rights groups in the world. Because it's totally like... It's totally not that they're being openly discussed as an apartheid state by every leading human rights group in the world, but it's still somehow debated because that makes sense, right? 2021, Israeli authorities and the crimes of apartheid. Here's, a, here's Amnesty International. Israel's apartheid against Palestinians. This is not like those ridiculous UN things where it goes both sides are committing crimes, which the point is they're not. Period. I know that's not what people want to hear sometimes, but the reality is it's an occupied territory. That ends the conversation. Now, I mean, you could, there's things to discuss. You can detest ways that the people go about things, but the bottom line is, legally speaking, it's an occupied territory, which nobody disputes from the United Nations or anywhere else other than Israel and the United States and their allies. The point is that that means, according to the Geneva Conventions, they have the right to armed rebellion. I point, I've shown you the documents on the show, which means they don't need to be attacked to fight. They're illegally occupied. So this game we play about, they were defending themselves, and they're, the, the Bethlehem Doctrine, which I, somebody just sent me that actual document, which I'm going to go through in a future show. It, it's, an, it's an illusion. It's about arguing you have the right to preemptive self-defense, which is an oxymoron. It is Orwellian at, be, at its best. Arguing that you think something's going to happen, so you fight first, that means you're defending yourself preemptively. It's ridiculous. The bottom line is that this is an illegal occupation that is committing war crimes, atrocities, open apartheid, and completely ethnic cleansing the area. And everything is verifiable. And this is what he's defending? I don't know how that makes sense to anybody.
And by the way, here are two different videos. Evan, I've shown you this is a good account to follow. There's plenty of them. There are all sorts of groups around the world, including in occupied Palestine known as Israel proper, where you have groups of Orthodox Jews that openly stand up and say Zionism is quite literally using Judaism. It is it is lying to people. And Zionism is our government. And we stand aggressively against the government of Israel. We stand with the people of Palestine. You see, there's groups of, of Orthodox Jews and other Jewish people in New York and in, in Israel all over the world. You've, I've shown you videos repeatedly of these exact groups of Orthodox Jews of, of um, it's another group for the, I can't remember the term, but you know, Orthodox Jewish communities that are in Israel that get beat up by the IDF for daring to speak up and say this kind of stuff. How can you argue this is anything against, you know, focused on only Jewish people if you have the Jewish people that say bad things get beat up by the IDF? It's basic. It's as simple as it gets like every other conversation we show you. Here he is. Listen to him. Why are you here at the Robert F. Kennedy event today? Uh, with the help of the Almighty, we came as a delegation of rabbis basically to voice our uh, support, our sympathy for the Palestinian people and to explain, try to explain uh, to all the candidates really, not just to Robert Kennedy, but to everybody that really equating Judaism and the state of Israel is saying that if you support Israel, you're supporting uh, Judaism and you're not anti-Semitic is totally, totally uh, n not the truth. Uh, Zionism and the state of Israel is antithetical to Judaism. It's, it's unacceptable according to Judaism. Judaism is subservience to I mean, God, a religion of 3,000 years. Well, Zionism in the state of Israel is a, a transformation to nationalism. It's a Right. So think about what he's saying here, guys. And this is why it's so incredible what they're they call what he's saying anti-Semitic, which technically, again, don't forget that some Palestinians are more Semite than Jewish people in Pal in Israel. That's that's the, uh, look it up. It's a simple fact. So everything's been inverted. But the bottom line is what he's saying would be called anti-Semitic. But what he's saying is that this is this is quite literally counter to the idea of Judaism. He is one of these people are are scholars in the idea of the Judaism, Judaism in the Jewish religion. He's telling you that based on the reality of Judaism, that Zionism is, is the opposite. And this is what I've been saying forever, long before this was an acceptable conversation. I mean, even right now, it's not for a lot of people. The reality that this is something that has been manipulated. They're using Zionism decided to use this. And this is where we get into the, the confusing discussion about whether someone is Jewish by religion or Jewish by by birth. What he's saying is ultimately Jews live all over the world. People are Jewish by religion, ultimately. And the idea of this, well, I mean, you, this is a whole conversation for another time, which I've had many times. But don't listen to me. Listen to the scholars in the Orthodox Jewish community that tell you this stuff that they just don't want you to hear. 100 odd years of movement that's uh, really contradictory to what we're all about. We're not to kill, we're not allowed to steal, we're not allowed to oppress the people. What the state of Israel is doing is unacceptable, it's a crime. Also, don't also think about this in the conversation of people out there that want to make all of this to be Jewish people trying to take over the world or, you know, only Jewish people are the problem. When in reality, you could you know, make all the arguments you want. You may be offended by it out there. But again, free speech, you have the right to do it. The bottom line is that how do you then factor this in? There's all sorts of people in these communities that point out the problem. So my argument has always been it's not Jewish people. It's Zionism. And that Zionism, Zionists have taken over all sorts of things, including I mean, our president right this moment tells calls himself as a Christian Zionist which as far as I could tell is the same reason this is, is completely contradictory.
It's the whole concept of this state, of the creation of a state on the heads and shoulders of the Palestinians, according to our religion, is unacceptable. And if you will go to the very uh, religious communities, whether it's in Jerusalem or here in New York, right in Williamsburg, across the bridge, you will find that they're anti-state of Israel, they're anti-establishment of the state. We heard a cry with the Palestinians. Zionism, the state of Israel, exacerbates anti-Semitism. It's a rift between Jews and Muslims. They're causing the bloodshed of Palestinians and of Jews. Supporting it only helps exacerbate anti-Semitism. Which is exactly why these leaders, these social engineers, in my opinion, and one part of it, are doing. To continue the, what I mean, look at what they're using. This entire, everything in the war on terror, it's all been justified by this dynamic. As well as the overlap of the Sunni and Shiite dynamic and the Saudi Arabian involvement. But, you know, is, for those, again, huge talk, topic. But the point is, this has been a dynamic that's been abused going back as far as you want to look. We've talked about going all the way back to the 70s and people like Zbigniew Brzezinski and the balkanization of, the, of, of all the Middle East and talking about starting in Afghanistan. This is not that hard to see. James Corbett has broken this down a thousand different ways. It's just about the fact there's so many people today that got kind of woken up, whether with like Trump's election or even COVID-19, and are, are from there moving forward. There's an entire body of work that you need to understand. That it just, the world, this, these illusions didn't just begin with COVID-19. It all connects. Really, it's not, it's not a solution. And we plead with these politicians, with Robin Kennedy, with um, any of the Democrats, Republicans, please respect the voice of the rabbinical authorities, whether here or in Jerusalem, who are the voice of real Judaism, who say this is not us, and it's unacceptable. We oppose the state of Israel, all their actions, the crimes, the, 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 this... Horrendous crimes that are being done to the Palestinians. All right, thank you. Now ask yourself, where's the corporate media? Why do we never, ever, and I mean literally never, see this part in the in the conversation? Like they're covering the RFK discussion. This is their exact location. Why don't they show these people? Don't want to give the other side of the story. Of course not, because that's not in their best interest, or it's just not the story they want to sell. It's very, very, very telling, and this is what you get anywhere you look. Here's another one. Jeffrey Lafredo is the same, the same person, same location, but he follows up with some questions talking about the, the specific RFK dynamic. Here's what he has to say. The, the media accused this politician of being anti-Semitic, and now he's trying to prove that he's not anti-Semitic by saying how great Israel is. Does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me because, like I said, this is uh, the general perception that's given uh, very successfully uh, done by the Zionists as a ploy uh, to gaining support and to stifle any opposition to the, to the state of Israel. It's, which, again, that's, that's, you, can, I, I can't, you can decide for yourself whether that's the truth, but this is exactly what I thought. One of the thoughts that came to my mind, remember I just said this a couple shows ago, is it starts to feel like this is just an easy ploy where you accuse them of anti-Semitism and then they come, I mean, wildly over the top to come out and prove that they are a champion for Israel. And it, it's, it becomes almost, it's, it's, you're almost, what's the word, sycophantish? Sycophant? How would you say that? You become a sycophant, right? And it's, it's pretty transparent, I would argue. 
is by equating and convoluting and uh, the, the two concepts of Judaism and, and Zionism, even though it's it's really really uh, contra both contradictory and it's it's uh, it's just so blatantly wrong. Judaism is to serve God, to be peaceful, to be loving, to do kindness. Zionism is a truly selfish political movement of occupying another people. So. And you look no further than the religious Zionism party right now, which is literally in charge of the country alongside Netanyahu and the other coalition members and the ADL and other groups on that are out there calling people racist are that group was quite literally called our extremist religious group by these groups before all of this. They're on the record for committing terrorist acts and all sorts of horrendous things. That's why Robert wrote the article that this is the most openly fascist government Israel's ever seen. They are outwardly saying this. They're not hiding anything anymore. The two-state solution, they're laughing out loud about that, even though as your government tells you they're still trying to do it. As always, I made that point all the time. Wrong, so vicious, uh, so anti what Judaism is all about. And it's totally humiliating to us as practicing Jews to, to see and hear what is being done in our name. APAC, for instance, and the other Zionist organizations makes it a point of attempting to have every single uh, faction in the United States or around the world, any any political group, whether it's Demo Dem Democrats or Republicans or independents, it really doesn't matter. Two-party illusion. One of the most clear examples right there. Maybe the most important one. They want to actually equate uh, and convolute the issue of Judaism and the mm -hmm. Jewish people and the state of Israel and may, may, uh, try to, uh, to create the mirage, a concept that if you're opposing uh, uh, the state of Israel, you're anti-Semitic. Right. And uh, in truth, Israel and Zionism, they, what they're doing is the greatest exacerbator of anti-Semitism around the world. Right. It seemed like Exactly. In fact, creating the very thing they pretend to be fighting, which is classic in any number of tenets we've seen by foreign policy of these governments and ways they manipulate people, how obvious this is. This is what we've been saying the entire time, right? They're trying to conflate these things. You can't attack them without being called racist. It's just so important to see how this is being played. And they're using these very people. That's the like to understand that the government of Israel is in fact using people of faith in the country, manipulating them into thinking that what they're doing is is for Judaism. It's just it's such a and think about this, guys. It's not the reason it's such a sensitive topic is because you say these things and people start thinking, oh no, he's is he racist? Is he is he a Nazi? But the reality is, it's, we're talking about Zionism here, not Judaism. Zionism. So it's like any other ideo ideology, any other political movement. Right. I mean, think about any it, it, that's how you have to view this. And then suddenly it becomes much less contra, you know, contentious. But it still is because they're playing this game and they always have been. Here is Efrat Fengson pointing out that in her opinion, now I'm not sure if I exactly agree with her opinion, but it's an interesting take because we've been showing you right now what's going on in Israel as Robert has been covering Israel's Netanyahu government comes under internal pressure, looks for way out. 
That's why they they were invading and bombing and attacking all the different locations. Janine refugee camp. He argues more so just trying to distract people from what's going on. Also, by the way, I haven't confirmed this, but I saw reports that Netanyahu was in the hospital. People arguing it might be a vaccine injury. I'm going to follow up on that in the future show. Bottom, but the point here is that ultimately, Robert, and he's been spot on about this. It's, it's unfortunate he doesn't get enough attention for the work because he continually re- cont- uh, predicts what they're going to do next. But ultimately, that these these protests about the uh, reforms, judicial reforms, it's it's all largely of trying to get people to look in different directions and manipulate them. Uh, she writes, look a bird. The demonstration in Israel is a huge diversion from new lawmaking related to global agendas and agenda 2030, which the public both left and right knows nothing about saving the Supreme court will make no difference. The court is not the last remaining checks and balances system on the government. It's all a charade. There are no more checks and balances since the July, 2020 with an introduction of the enabling act, the person basically arguing it's already happened. This is just about making it look like they're fighting back. The protesters would happily put back in power any left center politician. So the bottom line is they're all aware of what's happening. Even the the, the Israelis in Israel proper are aware that they've had their government. There's that's never been a democracy, but even what they thought they had has now been stolen from them. They're living under an openly fascist, religious extreme group. Even they see that. And the point is they're pointing this out and saying these people are they're, they're judicial reviews. They're basically creating a, a what's the right word for it? I'm blanking on it. But, you know, a, a government that's led by, you know, similar to Iran, for that matter, to some degree, more religious tenant than than just the law, which is interesting. I was real continually and the U.S. government calls Iran out for that. That's what they're seeing right here in Israel. But it says, remember, we are warning. But the majority of Israeli public cannot see, understand this. You've all Nora Harari, who, by the way, is not talking about the Great Reset here, continue to play a double game, she says. The Israeli lefty public adores him and is completely unaware of his topics of discussion overseas, i.e. global agendas. That's interesting. But writes, thousands continue to demonstrate in Israel. So the point is you've got massive pushback from the West Bank, massive pushback from Gaza, massive pushback from like every front, Syria, Lebanon, Yemen, all of them centered in direct in, in both the West and Israel entirely, and then even more so, they've got pushback from their own population. So there's a huge shift happening here. Thousands are demonstrating in Israel. They claim it's all about judicial reform, but I think it's more than that. And here's what, ne- I'll play part of this, what Harari has to say about it. Al Noah Harari is a lecturer in world history at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. He joins me live from Tel Aviv in Israel. Appreciate you joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. So in what's proving to be an unusual moment in Israel's history, thousands continue to protest against the judicial overhaul plan, even camping on the streets to make their point as lawmakers debate the bill ahead of a vote today. How do you expect uh, this vote to play out? And do you see the Supreme Court itself having a, a role in this? I do find interesting this guy is central to the Israeli mindset and yet has become this central fixture in the World Economic Forum. And, you know, look, the Israeli Zionist government is more immersed in what's going on than anybody wants to admit. I mean, it's, it's interesting that that part's been really kind of left out of the larger conversation. There's plenty of examples of it, but it tends to lean more China, you know, and that's the two-party paradigm, I argue. All of them are involved, I think. But Israel's government involvement is something we think we need to dive into even more than we already have. Well, actually, I think the situation is very, very simple. We just need to understand one thing about what's happening in Israel. Uh, The question is, what limits the power of the government? 
Uh, democracy is based on checks and balances. But in Israel, there is just a single check on the power of the government, and that is the Supreme Court. If the government, for instance... Which is exactly why there's absolutely nothing. I mean, we could go, go off forever about this and how it involved... I mean, let alone... Not even getting into Palestinians and the absolute lack of any kind of engagement there. But the point is that this is a corrupt system, just like we have in the United States right now. And it's being... Uh, th- this, this next step is about solidifying that absolute manipulation or the ability to do so. Let's not forget that Netanyahu himself holds like four different positions, or he had, and the point is that he's under multiple investigations, and this judicial reform will make sure for absolute certain he will not be held accountable. That's what we're actually looking at here, and they know that. People on the ground aren't stupid. Wants to take away voting rights from Arab citizens, which is something the coalition members are talking about. Which they barely recognize anyway. The only thing that can stop it is the Supreme Court. So this is not just a judicial overhaul. This is an attempt by the Israeli government to gain unlimited power, right. and they are saying so openly. You know, you listen to the... Net- so what she's ultimately saying is that it, that's already long since happened since 2020. Maybe she's right. But frankly, I think the protests seem to be organic, even if they may misunderstand what's happening. Netanyahu supporters, and they basically say, hey, we won the elections. That means we can do anything we want. Any restriction on our power is undemocratic. They don't understand the meaning of democracy, and they are trying to know. No, they do. They're just using the word democracy like they always do, which Harari's not stupid. He knows. Grab unlimited power. And this is why you see something which was really unimaginable in, in Israel. You have chief, former chiefs of the Israeli army and security forces telling soldiers, don't serve. You have Air Force pilots saying, our contract is with Israeli democracy. Once this law passes, our contract is over. We are not flying. I'll leave it there. You guys can watch the rest of it. The interesting part about this is even the U.S. government has, I doubt they're going to do anything because they're pretty meek and cowardly when it comes to dealing with the Zionist government. But what's interesting is they've even said the similar thing. Well, this, you, you know, you can't just go they're against democracy. Well, yeah, they can. And you do too. Nobody, the point is, this is just stating that openly as opposed to saying freedom, democracy, and then doing what you want. They're coming out and saying, we're going to do what we want. This is just very interesting. Now, the people of Israel are pushing back against that in a large degree. And I think all it really shows you is that even inside the kind of a country like Israel is completely overtaken by the Zionist agenda. There are people within that that have different designs on where this is going. Just like we can point out as, I mean, like, I think this is more of a global discussion, truly. What Whitney's talked about, the, the, the multi, the tri-national security, the point, or, or even getting bigger, like talking about the, the, the globalist mindset today. And that really what we're discussing is a different direction, depending on whether you're going. I think if I really had to put a fine point on it, wholesale into the globalization mindset or maintaining some level of sovereignty within that, right? I mean, I'm, this is just get guessing, look at the top of it. But either way, the real point is that the Israeli public is pushing back. I think it's a good thing to see, but... It shows, think, think about the way the government and the media are covering or lack thereof. They're just such meek, cowardly, feeble people today. All of the corporate media, it's just pathetic. For, and, and to that exact point, here's ABC News breaking down the facts. Russian fighter jet damages U.S. Reaper drone with flares over Syria. Oh, oh did, you, did your little plane get hurt by the little flares? Did you hurt your feelings? Like, this is the most pathetic kind of story. Like, this big breaking news, they, they hurt the damage. That, okay, so who's illegally present? First of all, let's start there. You know, the one thing they never mention in these articles about facts and journalism. 
oh, that's right, the U.S. drone that's quite literally illegally over the airspace of Syria because they're not supposed to be there. Okay, and then who is allowed to be there? Russia. Great. So the story is U.S. government violates Syrian airspace. That's the story. But the funny thing is they have to turn this into some kind of a drama. They damaged the plane with, with flares? What, what did they, they brush the paint just wrong? I mean, come on. It's just embarrassing. Unprofessional incidents. You guys are the laughing stock of the world with the way that this is being covered. Everyone's starting to see that, even Americans. This is, it's just, it's not just like you have a different perspective. You are counterfactual on a regular basis, just making up your own stories. And going on that exact point on going underground points this video out. This is what we need to see more of. These are people in these ridiculous little meetings, you know, with their get bringing in a high level CNN journalist or whoever this person was acting like they're all discuss- let's let's have a symposium on democracy and fact checking. It's everyone's laughing at these people. I mean, really need to understand that the world sees right through what's going on in the Western manipulative world. It's, it's pathetic. But they're still militarily powerful, obviously, which is why they're just forcing this in. But I agree with this statement. Any idea how stupid we look to the rest of the world? We have Julian Assange in prison for four years, and we're here talking about journalism. Ukraine is doing everything you're accusing Russia of doing. They've banned the Russian language. They have outlawed political parties. One of the things... One of the things... No, we should talk about this because we're about to be perhaps in a nuclear war. The U.S. is going fascist. I don't know if you've read the Resist Act. We have Assange in prison. We invaded Iraq 20 years ago and killed a million people based on lies. And no one cares about that. They should be here to hear me because they're here to tell a bunch of lies. I should be on the program. The United States is in deep trouble. We have nothing to offer the world. China and Russia are bringing peace they chilled out the situation between i'm not i don't agree with that nonetheless people have the right to their opinion but the point is simply that it's for me the point is about the the embarrassing way these people these elitists knowing they're censoring people will have a a discussion about free speech right knowing that they're murdering free innocent civilians will have discussions about human rights it's just pathetic so this needs to be called out for what it is. Iran and Saudi Arabia, the war in Yemen is ending. No, you don't have any idea how stupid How stupid everyone here and their pomposity. We're going to run around talking about democracy. That's good. I don't think I will be allowed to ask questions. You will be allowed to ask questions. I would like to ask about how we can say what we say about Russia when Julian Assange is sitting in prison. No one cares about this. It's, it's okay that you ask questions, but it's okay to ask it at the time of the event when we have it. Hey, we Seymour Hirsch. Doesn't Seymour Hirsch be here? I mean, why we got the CIA asset? Vivian Goldman want to be here instead of Seymour Hirsch? Here's a question. Did we blow up the Nord Stream or not? Did we blow up the Nord Stream or not? It's a simple question. Yes or no? I'm just asking the question because... See, these are the questions they, they will always act like, oh, decorum, decorum, you know, which, which I agree in certain cases I do think is important. But in a, in a certain circumstance, the idea here is that they love to sit in their little secret rooms and have their conversations and pat themselves on the back. But when you really push these questions, it gets pushed away. They never get addressed. The reality is they're not stupid. They know. They know they're not covering this. They're, not, they're, they're avoiding these questions or not talking about or hiding the reality. So when you really call it out, they just they, they, they don't know what to do because they know they're, mis- they're withholding the truth.
Everybody wishes they knew something different. What about Russiagate? She was completely wrong about Russiagate. I mean, let's right. just be for real. You were wrong. Everybody was wrong about Russiagate, okay? Robert Mueller took away the case. Think about that for a second. Now, all of you are wrong. Nobody here has even said a word about us blowing up Nord Stream. And now what? You have a State Department official talking about banning all Russian media from around the world. I mean, where's the outrage against that? Or Julian Assange. No, I'm not going to be quiet. Because frankly, no, I'm not. You have to take me away. Because I'm here to expose the truth about you. You're a CIA asset who said nothing about Seymour Hersh, the biggest story of this century, and nobody said anything. Instead, you're all here, what, masturbating on how great journalists you are. Nothing revolutionary has come from any of your articles. What's right. wrong? Why won't you take the question? You stood up to Putin, right? Sir, sir. You won't answer about Seymour Hersh? Sir, sir. What's going on? Sir, I thought he was sir, an amazing sir, journalist. Sir, 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 yeah, sir. that's what I thought. All right, sir. Please, can you please? Nothing revolutionary here. Just a bunch of old talking heads. Now, sadly, if you're in that stage and you know what he's saying is right, you probably don't care. Everyone in there is going to mindlessly listen to you after he leaves anyway. So the point is, you're probably just la- loving it. Yep, get out. We're in control. I mean, you know you're wrong, so it doesn't matter. It's not like you're shocking her with her own understanding of how ridiculous she is. They're lying to you. They know that. Right. So it's just, it's just we need to get to this point where what we need to be doing is reaching those people in the crowd, which at least some at least they got that in front of them. Maybe they're going to listen. Mindy Robinson points out the fact that the government, your government in the United States, if you're in the United States, have always in this case now, but have always seen you as the enemy. That You can prove that with the War on Terror. The Patriot Act was always aimed at you. You can look at this information. You can look at how it was applied. You were the threat. We're only just now really discovering that. The idea of James Corbett's work on the Al-Qaeda, the way that these things were completely... Ben Swan, the creation of Al-Qaeda, ISIS, the reality of this stuff, the creation by your government, the using of it against you, all of it was aimed at you. Think about how alarming that is. 9-11, COVID-19. Well, she points out the Department of Homeland Security is officially out of their minds. Check the reasons they're labeling Americans as right-wing extremists now. This is not new, though, right? The point is, we remember we talked about this like a decade ago. People as, as independent journalists being written down as domestic terrorists. One of the reasons that blew my mind all those years ago, believing too much in the Constitution. That was a quote from government documents. You know, the Constitution, the founding document of this country that they're supposed to be basing their entire guy everything on. The law. And you believing too much in that is apparently a threat to them. Read the room, guys. They don't want you to believe in these things. The point is, these are the reasons they're labeling you a right-wing extremist. Combat veterans who are, quote-unquote, disgruntled about the takeover of their country. Anyone who opposes war, because, you know, nothing is more extreme than not wanting drone-bomb kids and fight proxy wars. Right. This is obviously they know people that are, you know, that are militia, even though it's in the Constitution. I just added that, but that's part of it. It says people that don't think that they should be paying income taxes, people that oppose the feds restricting the Second Amendment rights, anyone with a better explanation to all these mass shootings and domestic terrorist acts. You know, if you have your own opinions, anyone who opposes open borders, anyone against abortion, all these are coming from the document you create for yourself. The point is, this is not new. That's why they're passing laws all over the place that make you a problem if you disagree with what they say. Or don't forget, it came out in this recent hearings that Biden's administration put to the social media companies that they would censor if you disagree with their policies. That just came out. Not misinformation. If you just disagreed. It just the, the reality is right on the surface. That's not unique to the left, guys. But 
That's while that's why even with the revelation revelations we have, it stops short because we can't recognize that it's both sides or the government. So it's funny how people just you know as much as I see that forty five times a show somehow just doesn't reach some people. But this is why I've been covering this for a long time. The idea of where this is all going, creating the illusion that you are a right-wing terrorist. But again, it's not just about right-wing, right? Let me see if I can get this to pop up. There we go. This is one of the ones that are important. Derek recently wrote one as well, the the brand new story that just happened. Same story. This one goes back to a while ago. Parents catch FBI and plot to force mentally ill son to be a right-wing terrorist. Exactly. The title is not hyperbole. Read it for yourself. It's sourced to corporate media news. It's real. The guy's barely able to do his own thing, lives with his parents. Everything was manufactured. He had nothing. He didn't have the means, the money, the ability. They gave him everything and pushed, and then he declined, and that's when they caught him. The parents, I mean, were like, what, the, what are you doing? This is my son. They were going to make, frame this kid as a terrorist. The point is this has always been the reality. The Patriot Front, January 6th, and the Vanilla ISIS PSYOP is about framing people that push back as right-wing terrorists. You can be a left-wing person. If you push back on the government, you'll get framed that way. You've seen that happen already. Here's the story. January 6th was always a very clear government operation. And, and the point is we know with a thousand examples as we cover in the show, the fact that there was Ukrainians on the ground screaming things in Russian. We prove this. Part of the Azov movement on the ground at January 6th yelling, let's go in Russian. Make sense of that without understanding the bigger picture. Or Antifa members from the left that were on the ground with videos that we've shown on this episode saying, we got him, we did it, we can't believe we tricked him. But apparently all that got missed in the investigation, right? Very easy to prove. There's a reason. It was all about creating the illusion that Russia, Nazis, was all, and, and I think the independent media screwed this up. I really do. Now, let's talk about Twitter as I think this is a central role. Now, what I was thinking the other day about why I stay so focused on some stories, and I trust my gut. I always do. doesn't mean I'm always right, but people were trying to get me to focus on other stories about one, two, three months into COVID-19. Possibly the biggest story I've ever seen, and we're still covering that. Clearly, we were right to keep on it after we all started seeing it continue to be covered after a year, two years. The point was I was sticking with it because something told me it was important, obviously, but same with the transgender conversation. There's clear, and I think we're beginning to develop into seeing just how clearly insidious this is. And I think it's going to go beyond the transgender discussion. I think this was more of a, like, that's going to fade out. It's going to be more, you know, the bigger conversation or whatever nefarious thing is behind it. But the same thing on all this. Remember the Twitter conversation when this, I've been really covering this weird evolution of Twitter and Elon and, and Twitter files. <clears throat> and plenty of people thought I was just obsessing over Twitter. Or I was mad about certain things, you know, whatever they're, personal childish perspective was but i sense something in this conversation as i think we're now beginning to see truly flesh out and it wasn't unique i mean a lot of people saw the connective points to all of this right actually thinking of that let me grab a video really quickly that i almost forgot about but i think it's important that we continue here we go let's do this nope I'll play that as we go forward. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Dang it. One second. No, not not that one either. Apologize, guys. Hold on. 
Shoot. There we go. Okay, found it. Sorry for the delay. I want to make sure I didn't lose that. I want to make sure we play this video because it's a good part to kind of encapsulate where we're going with this. But <clears throat> my point in all of this is that ultimately Twitter, is there's something to this. There's a bigger story here than just Elon and Twitter and blue checks and all the BS that gets focused on with a two-party paradigm. There's a real obvious connection between the Great Reset, Neuralink, I mean, even foreign policy. Like, There's a clear connection to this story. And I'm glad that I've continued to follow on it because I think today we're really seeing something connect that really does scare me. Now, first of all, <clears throat> I wanted to point out this is just one, but there's it, it's, it hasn't stopped. Like I've seen it get much worse. Another individual censored. Blunts for Jesus is an account on Twitter that just got suspended, who makes informative music videos about historical events, powerful figures, government media propaganda. Of course, he's covered Operation Northwoods, uh, people like DARPA, Gates, Musk, all of them. Now you can you follow him right now at Sto Two Stone to go home. But this was recently censored. Now it says, don't let X censor researchers like Blunts for Jesus. Don't let them dictate what people can see. Either way, it was censored. Now I'm not sure exactly what. I know he just posted some video about Building 6 in regards to like 9-11, World Trade Center Building 6. But I'm not sure exactly what it was. But it's still happening. I just want to point that out. These, there are still people right now that are actively being removed from Twitter for not, apparently not even like a justifiable reason. There's not some kind of violation of terms. Just quietly removed. Still happening. But this brings us to the conversation of what they're now doing. We've been telling you this has been coming. Remember, we talked about the WeChat conversation, which, of course, people said was fake news. Conspiracy theory, they said. Even people, especially the, the right-wing sycophants that were all screaming that Elon Musk is saving free speech as he's literally openly attacking free speech just because they got promoted and made some money, right? It's, it's just people always, you know, people don't want to bite the hand that feeds them, right? People will not challenge things that their paycheck depend on them not challenging. That's how this game works. But we told you, he even said it. This is about the everything app, right? The idea, which, which is digital ID, which is social credit. That's where this all goes. The everything app where you have banking and overlapping and, and paying your bills and, and, and grocery shopping and everything, which can then be turned off should you not meet terms of service. Even that is the most early way you can look at that. But then it can become, oh, well, you didn't do the right thing. Or, and we're going to get more to this at the end of the show, which is about bank accounts being shut down. But as Orwell points out, here's WeChat, as we promised, and here's Linda Yaccarino. It's an exceptionally rare thing in life or in business that you get a second chance to make another big impression. Twitter made one massive impression and changed the way we communicate. Now, X, which, as you can see, is now literally what this is. X. We'll get into what that is. Now, X will go further, transforming the global town square, which is what we've all been concerned about, those of us that care, right? The town square, which will then justify censorship, will justify you know, regulation by the government, which is always where this has been going. X is the future state of unlimited interactivity, centered in audio, video, messaging, payments, banking, creating a global marketplace for ideas, goods, services, opportunities. Powered by AI, of course, X will connect us in all ways. With, yes, we're just beginning to imagine. This is the central part of where this goes. I can't believe people haven't been able to see this. For years, fans and critics alike have pushed Twitter to dream bigger, to innovate faster, you see where this is going. We've already started to see X take shape over the last eight months. So they've been. this has been always the plan. Absolutely no limit to this transformation. X will be the platform that can deliver, well, everything. Elon and I are looking forward to working with our teams and every single one of you to bring into this world. To bring, and it says, to bring X to the world. 
Well, Decensored News is pointing something very interesting out. Looks like a clear win for Sparkling Ruby, as it seems that Elon put something out saying, well, if there is a good enough logo is posted tonight, we'll make go, we'll make we'll make go live worldwide tomorrow. Hmm. Interesting, right? Well, she put up and said, hey, what about this? XAI, which actually comes from DARPA, which stands for Explainable Artificial Intelligence. She posted this before this happened. It's right there. July 22nd. Can I, can I win? Right? Well, then she goes, then it goes forward and look at that. Sure enough, without an acknowledgement that she posted that, she either knew something, right? That's what it's called now. X-A-I. She either knew something or he took her idea and didn't credit her for it. Isn't that interesting? Well, look, this is announcing formation of X-A-I to understand reality. Now, that's not Twitter necessarily, right? But that's what Twitter is being used for. And they're open about this, right? Just like Whitney and I have been so worried about there. And, and look, they haven't been secret about it. He even said this. It's not about the advertising. It's about your data. We used to all care mostly about that. Now, Elon, save the day. It's like when Trump got elected and nobody cared anymore about the things they just cared about. It's so simple. to The people in the two-party paradigm are so easy to manipulate. The point is that this is using, it's using your data, your engagement, your mentality, your, your thought process, everything to train the algorithm, the machine learning to possibly raise the singularity to this is all they're using you. That's it. And that's potentially the entire point. And you can see the chat here, XAI discussion. Well, here's the actual page for this. Explainable artificial intelligence. Here's what it says. And now this uh, looks like, I didn't find the exact date. This says full phase one will be expected November 2018. So at the very least, this is pre-2018. It says, this dramatic success in machine learning has led to, now I'm not saying we can prove this is the same thing, but I find it really interesting that not only do they use the exact same acronym, but that he's working with DARPA for Neuralink. Like, I, I just find this almost too much. Machine learning has led to a torrent of artificial intelligence, Produce autonomous systems that will perceive, learn, decide, and act on their own. I mean, isn't that what they're all doing? The Department of Defense is facing challenges that demand more intelligent, autonomous, and symbiotic systems. Well, what's Neuralink? Right? That's, that's the machine-brain interface. That's the symbiotic concept. Or autonomous being something that can operate on its own. Whether AI or just like an autonomous robot. All of this is, they're building towards an artificial symbiotic, which that's the biological overlap. Artificial intelligence and using machine learning, using you to reach it. These models will be combined with state-of-the-art human-computer interface techniques. What a coincidence if this isn't exactly what they're doing, right? It's pretty shocking. XAI is one of a handful of current DARPA programs expected to enable third-wave AI systems where machines understand the context and environment in which they operate. Sentience, essentially, to some degree. And over time, build underlying explanatory, explanatory models that allow them to characterize real-world phenomena. At the end of the program, the final delivery will be a toolkit library consisting of machine learning and human-computer interface software modules that could be used to develop future explainable AI systems. After the program is complete, these toolkits would be available for further refinement and transition into defense or commercial applications. Now, look, the point is, the only way that we get to this point is the ev evolution of where this is going. Whether that's some kind of input 
some Neuralink overlap, some chip, some kind of, you know, some way to, te- or where, where it's going with Meta or some Twitter alternative to where you're tapping in, you're, you're, you're kind of in some way plugging in to the system, not just typing on a phone. And this is, and, but even just without that, even just your input is machine learning is training this across your conversations, the meshing of individual content. That's concerning. So ask yourself, why exactly this, well, going forward, here's what Linda says. X is the future state of unlimited actor. Oh, I just read that. We'll connect us. And that's, it's, it's very concerning to me that this isn't, what is that? Well, how can she get this right beforehand? And no one's talking about this. Very weird to me. Well, let's listen to what he actually had to say about this. He was asked by, uh, I think it was an individual from Saudi Arabia at a World Economic Forum Summit about this exact process. Spiro points this out at the World Government Summit, which is World Economic Forum 2023, explaining his purchase of Twitter back when he got it, right in the beginning, telling you it was meant to accelerate X, the everything app. It's funny how we can, we all, this wasn't a secret, but people still acted like this was fake. A key objective is to verify as many people as possible. Now, don't forget, that's not what's happening right now. Right? And right now, as far as we, right, there's mo- people that have already signed up will tell you, at least for me, all I needed was my telephone number, which is already connected from a long time ago. So I didn't need to do anything. But it's going beyond that. That's the whole point, because that, right now, you don't, you can be anonymous with what you still have on Twitter. But with where they're going to be going, whether biometric data, who knows? They're removing anonymity, and that's the last thing we should want. And identity layer of the internet, like a digital ID. That's what this will be. Here's what he's saying. Twitter, if we, we say it five years down the road, what's your vision for, for this platform? What, sh- what should it do? Well, I think it would be, I'd like to... You know, I have this sort of long-term vision for something called uh, X.com from back way back in the day, uh, which is kind of like a, a um, sort of like an everything app um, where it's just maximally useful. It does, you know, payments, uh, does, um, uh, so it provides financial services, provides information flow, um, really anything digital. Um, and, um, you know, also provides secure communications, um, so, really, to, to you know, I think you know, be, be as useful as possible, as entertaining as possible, um, and also to be like a, a source of, of truth. Like, if you want to uh, find out what's going on and what's really going on, um, then you could should be able to go on 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 you know X, the X app, and um, and and find out. So it's a sort of source, a sort of a, a source of truth, and a maximally useful, I guess, app is about wrong word, but system. Um, and and twi- Twitter is essentially an accelerant to that sort of maximally useful everything app. I think the uh, trying to have as many organizations uh, and people and institutions uh, verified um, as being legitimately those people and organizations is is important. Um, and to have the organizational affiliation clearly identified um, so that if you want to find out if somebody is actually, if, if an account is actually, say, from a member of parliament or a journalist or uh, if, if a, let's say, if, if a Twitter handle is uh, actually belongs to, say, Disney Corporation or something like that, you, you can 
you can go on Twitter and it's it's sort of an identity layer uh, of the internet. And you you can see the problem for me is that I, I totally get the need or, or the desire to want to verify people who are or presenting themselves as a position of authority. Like today, that we all know that that makes sense, but it should it's always it should always no matter what be optional. Even for those people, because then you, so if you don't have it, the person, if you are a discerning adult, which is the point, you don't need to continue to coddle people because they get more stupid and more reliant, which is the entire point. That's why it's happening. But instead, err on the side of giving them more freedom, which just says, look, you know, if they're not verified, then they could be anybody. Just because it says AOC, you should know if you don't see whatever we use for the verification, then, they, then you can assume that it might not be her. Why is that not acceptable to everybody? Right. So you're a president and you're a member of the government. Well, then you can verify yourself and you can have whatever little thing says that you're part of the government. Everybody else, it shouldn't there shouldn't be some version of this process for the average person, because all it does is differentiate people and layer and tiers. And that's what they want. Confirm that that is, in fact, the, the case. And, and I think once you've got these sort of interlocking um, sort of identities, uh, it's, it's actually very hard to be deceptive in that case. Uh, because Which, again, you have a right to be. See, this is the interesting part about this. In the technological world, it's gotten a lot more complex to understand this, but the idea being that you have every right to pretend to be somebody else. You have a right to, to lie or to be wrong. But you see, when we get into the idea that you don't have a right to deceive well, how do you know I meant to do that? Maybe I actually thought what I was doing because all of this infringes on free speech. The point is you put the onus on the individual. It's your responsibility to check your own information. If you don't, well, that's on you. It's not anybody else's responsibility to make sure you're not too stupid to get tricked. And, and, and it's also you have a reputation to protect at, at that point. So I think then people are far more likely to be measured in their response. Um, and... Um, be more, be more reasonable since they have reputational value. That right. So also training, right? So you'll be more reasonable if you know that people know who you are. What's that called, guys? Social engineering. On the surface. <laughs> it's very simple. Well, here's another video going back to when this is earlier on before he made PayPal. or rather, Actually, right after. I think it's discussing how he made this. Showing you that this has always been the plan. He mentioned it. The X.com discussion. This was a long time ago, well before he took, got to Twitter, and this seems to have always been the point. This is an ATM. What we're going to do is transform the traditional banking industry. I do not fit the picture of a banker. X.com, this is Julie. Raising $50 million is a matter of making a series of phone calls, and the money is there. X.com became PayPal. Right, okay, so X.com was originally designed, and then it just became PayPal. Do we all trust PayPal? I mean, that's Elon Musk too, right? But PayPal is like the devil, the enemy. Well, at, like one of the most obvious examples. I mean, they stole money, thousands of dollars from me. I never got back. Just deleted me for no reason. Or they argued misinformation about something that I've now been proven to be correct on. Same with Patreon. Do you realize that was about myocarditis? <laughs> yeah, how's that going, Patreon? You utter failures. And you're still pretending like I'm wrong. But we all know that's not true. You'll never reevaluate that because then you'll have to admit and give back the money you took, both of them. But of course, no, no it's not going to happen. But realize that that is what became PayPal. And now X.com is what Twitter was. Full circle. Here we are. But we can trust it, though, right? Because Elon's saving free speech. 
I've sunk the great majority of, of my net worth into X.com, which is the new banking and mutual funds company on the internet that I've started. The big, big X. Exactly. X.com. I think X.com could absolutely be a, a multi-billion dollar bonanza. Because if you look at the industry that X is pursuing, it's the biggest sector of the world economy. There's a lot, a lot of great things that are going to come out. Um, obviously, payments down the road, um, maybe later this year. Um, and uh, improving the uh, direct message stuff, um, obviously enabling uh, full encryption um, and, and video and, and voice calls, uh, and just basically solving, like basically, we, we, if, if there's something you want to do, you can do it on this sort of, you know, X everything app, or you can leave easily and do it somewhere else. If, if, essentially, if, if if done right, the X would be. Would, would serve people's financial needs to such a degree that over time it would become, I don't know, maybe half of the global financial system. Wow. Or some big number. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what the number is, but pretty big. Um, so it, it would be by far the biggest sort of financial institution. If, but, but like I said, not, not, not really in the way that people are used to thinking about uh, banks. Mm-hmm. Just, um, just the most efficient database for the thing that is money. Um, like I said, like, you know, least amount of fraud, uh, everything's real time. Um, and if it involves money in any way, it can be dealt with seamlessly on one, one lo- location. Um, and then in addition, you've got the sort of social media element, which is also information. It's uh, people sharing information of various kinds, whether it's text, video, pictures, um, voice, uh, and um, and and so, uh, yeah, so both money and and what we call social media are really information exchange. Um, and I think there's potential there to make a product that is really quite compelling, that combines all these things, simplifies people's lives, um, is, is more you know cost efficient for the average person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have a minimum number of fees and whatnot. So. Um, so I think there's this just a lot of a lot of potential to create some like the kind of the ultimate uh, app or system website whatever. What you've got going on with the internet is it's basically like an earthquake where the epicenter is Silicon Valley, and it's. So I think this this just a lot of a lot of potential. So this right to here. create some like the kind of the, that, the whole last half of this video. What impression does that give you? Just, it's all opinion. As always, nobody should ever be like, he means this or he feels that way because that makes you pretty much as stupid as corporate media. The point is, though, what what impression does it give you in that last second half? For me personally, it's that he's just, it's like he doesn't know what he's supposed to be saying. Right? Where the, like, like, if I had to guess, and maybe this is just me projecting what I think is happening, but ultimately, in his mind, this is a lot bigger than he's supposed to be talking about. Right? So he arguably would know that this is a bigger idea that, connects to this like earth shattering ideas potentially if you want to get into some bigger topics that i'm not even going to touch on like whether or not this is something that goes way beyond what we even understand that there's some kind of elitist understanding of you know twelve thousand cycle earth issues pull polar you know south pole north pole shifting and all these different there's lots of theories about historical earth issues and then potentially the people in power know these things that's why you got bezos building 
massive bunkers in the mountains near his own launch sites, and he's making potential rockets to Mars. And, you know, it's like, what do they know that we don't, right? The point is that there's something bigger going on here, possibly. And to me, what he's saying is kind of like, just like he's trying to, how do I say this in a very, you know, benign way, data and, you know, money and everything app and stuff and, you know, Twitter and messages. And like, it's just like, he's just rambling. That's how, that's my, that's what I got from it. But I could be wrong. To me, it seems like he's trying to give you the, the basic ground floor without giving away more. That's what it kind of felt like to me. On that note, too, what, it's an interesting choice, right? What is the X at? What, what does X symbolize usually, right? Well, pen, Roman numerals. That doesn't really have any clear meaning unless there's something to you. But it says the X symbol has diverse meanings, including representing the unknown, secrecy, danger, the end of times, I guess. None of it really seems to be positive. So it's an interesting choice. Then we also have him here telling you that this is always what it was going to be, right? It's all about the everything. Just like WeChat, you know, just like China. We're just going to model ourselves after China. Isn't that exactly what everybody wants and what everyone continues to say? Like, it's embarrassing that whether Trump or Biden or Elon, they all say bad guy and China is doing bad things for the most part, but then actively do everything they can to emulate everything they're doing. Working on an edit button for a year. Well, it's a hard, it's a tricky situation. And it's incredibly complex. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good one, indeed. I mean, we don't even have uh, a, 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 an app that's as good as WeChat in China. Uh, and like in China, you can like live on WeChat, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's like... Yeah, and then they can also just turn it off if you don't have a good social credit score. That's a real thing. Yeah, everyone, everyone's like, they're like, you live on WeChat. You do payments, you do everything. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. Basically, mm-hmm. WeChat's kick-ass. Um, and we don't have anything like WeChat outside of China. So... I was like, my idea would be like, how about if we just copy WeChat? Hey. Really? hey. <laughs> copy them. <laughs> copies WeChat. Yeah, pretty Pop. much. <laughs> nice. Right? This is concerning for anybody that cares. Now, Slow News Day also points out, well, let's read this tweet first. This says, Joe Biden isn't happy with the lack of support from Elon Musk and suggests that he could be, he could be investigated if he hasn't done anything wrong, even if he hasn't done anything wrong. Now, to me, this seems wildly hollow. Think about how dumb it is. Well, first of all, oh, this says it's a cut clip from a press conference on 2022. Of course. Now, that, this wasn't even the point, by the way. This was the passing point. But just there are so many of these people online that are just actively. And by the way, it doesn't mean I'm blindly trusting this context either, because Twitter's wrong about this stuff all the time. But multiple kind of unconnected points. There's a lot of these kind of people, Ian Miles Chong being one of them, they'll just, they'll just regurgitate things they see, videos from, from two years ago without making it clear it's an old video and act like you're spot. It's just people are there. Just there's a lot of open manipulation, which they have a right to do. It's free speech. But you also have the right to be smart and to educate yourself and to steel yourself against these kind of people and don't be Twitter filed, which is what that is. When I say you've been Twitter filed, it means that you decided to go along with the screenshot. Or something you haven't proven and retweet it and talk about it, even though you don't know it's real. Because that's what the Twitter files did to everybody. Made you start pretending you could look at a screenshot of something and go, I knew it! Even though you don't have source material in front of you. But nonetheless, the point was, he's basically saying, I'll investigate Elon, even if he has done done anything wrong. Why would you say that? Because you want it to look like you're going to go after him when clearly, that's a clumsy effort in my opinion. But Empire of Lies points out, before Elon bought it, the Dem Party, FBI, CIA, Twitter under control. They could block out the Hunter Biden story and many other things. Now that they can't control it, they want to ruin Elon Musk and anyone who defies them. (laughs) My God. 
As Slow News Day says, and I'm inclined to agree, this is a wild piece of fiction, but it's probably going to dupe people into thinking the guy who's subsidized by DARPA and wants to turn Twitter into WeChat is your friend. Yes, the brain chip AI guy. It's just so sad. This is the two-party illusion breaking logic. Right, because now they don't have control and they're fighting Elon. It's like, my God. I mean, maybe. I could be wrong. But look at the connections. The guy is literally a military contractor. It's really, really uninformed to think that there's some kind of back. I mean, it it's, makes me sad. But there, there are people that believe this stuff. Now, a few other points on Twitter in general. Realize that their Twitter has been propping up people like Andrew Tate and plenty of others who are not what they appear to be. And I've been saying this for a long time. Quite frankly, I don't think Tate's even worth our time. A lot of people aren't. They, would, they, don't, they don't deserve your airtime or your attention. They're ridiculous people, but they've been propped up by the paradigm, including people like Elon Musk. And I think it's really, really obvious because I keep saying, in this case, just taking it from the the perspective of the the two-party illusion, the establishment, and what they want people to think the right is. And there are a lot of people that actually exist who watch him or people that watch Jersey Shore and go, yeah, those people are awesome. I want to be just like them. It's that kind of illusion. Like, you want to be like those people because you're a POS, right? The point is there are people that really want to be like Andrew Tate who think he's the smartest guy ever. And those people deserve each other. But the point is that they raise those people up to say this is what they, just like on the left, right? They raise up the, like, the most loony, the people with just full of lunacy, ridiculous people that think that every, you know, we can go off forever. The point is they do that. So the other side, maybe the honest ones, think that's what they're fighting. The point is that Twitter has been propping a lot of these people up. Now, I wanted to include this. I'm not going to get into it. This is an hour-long video. Milk Bar TV did the one before that was shorter. It was really well done. But this is just completely breaking it down. If you care about what this person really is, watch this. It's not up for debate. And I've been saying this from the very beginning. It just, Milk Bar TV really did, mean, and he rightly so is getting some pretty good recognition for this. Because his video was making the rounds on like very high-level shows on left and right all over the place. Because it seems everybody that cares wants to show the truth. You know, you got the left side of this that cares because they want to make the right guy look bad. You got the right side of it that cares because they care about the truth. And whatever the reasoning is, it's it's getting through. Because this guy is a dangerous, bad person who's being propped up. And it seems that Tucker Carlson has only doubled down. He got used, and possibly on purpose. Maybe he knew that. I don't know. But also... Here's one of the other examples of somebody that appears to be propped up by this entire scam that looks like it's being used against us. But this is the Narwhal uh, or Mario Narfall individual who I pointed out has been kind of just being used and propping up as like the independent journalist industry when all they're doing is just parroting corporate talking points. It's really sad. But this person, Frank, points this out. Frank, you want to make over a million dollars per year through Twitter spaces by defrauding companies? Here, teach you how. Fake your audience numbers, scam your customers through Twitter, try to hide it all. Now, you can go through and look at all this. This A lot of this is things he states as his opinion, but a lot of it, though, there's different images and examples, and he seems to show pretty clearly that a lot of these people they're using, a lot of these different bots and accounts that always seem to tune in, it's hard not to see this as a complete, like the NFT overlap with the images and the skin, the kind of people they're using. And he does, he blocked me for a minute, too. It looks like he unblocked me, but because I called out what he was doing. But the point is, as you go through all this, it's kind of hard not to see that they, and, you know, being investigated by the SEC, these people are concerning at the very least, that they're being propped up in ways that are, are, are using this, like with bots, manipulative tactics, and they seem to be okay with that. Now, read through it for yourself. The point is not to go off about who this person is. This is small news in the bigger picture, but I think there's a lot of this happening. 
This person's tracking tracking the bots of Narwhal or not Mario Narwhal. Elon hate, Musk hates bots, but he loves Mario. Mario employed win solutions to bot his tweets so we can charge clients more through IBC. One tweet saw a 60% plus bot reply ratio. Like, can you go through? It's not hard to see this stuff is manipulative tactics. Any points out here? It says mainstream media's assault on citizen journalism. See how this works? It's like with Andrew Tate. Same thing. Where in, in, when you realize that you're start, you're going to get accountable potentially, well, you rise up and act like it's all fake. It's the matrix trying to frame me, which of course is possible. And we should always consider that. But then when you start to see all the evidence, you realize, oh, okay, so this is a guy trying to use your suspicion of the government against you. In the case of Andrew Tate. Well, here's another example where suddenly this guy who's been trying to frame himself as the budding new independent journalism industry on Twitter who really uh, con- continues to just parrot what the corp media is saying and, uh, you know, in these Twitter spaces, the point is that now that he is being investigated for other things, he goes, oh, well, they're coming after me because journalism, you know, or he's breaking law. But, you know, the people that want to defend him and Twitter and Elon Musk jump to their defense, just like with the other guy. I just think this is interesting. So be skeptical. Now, here's the interesting last part on this. Here's what Mario said about the X app. What is X? What can you expect? I mean, is this guy like a representative of Twitter? I'm not sure why he, like he'll come out and he says, well, calling a post a tweet has now been replaced with X. Where is this stuff coming from? I, I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I doubt, I think we're going to probably just keep calling it Twitter because this is what we're used to. But Musk and his tweet team were the first to get the new logo rolled out to the users in progress. The most eminent updates. Eligible creator revenue share is coming for all, all creator, um, soon for all creators across, excuse me, eligible creator revenue. Share is coming soon for all creators across the global town square. I don't know if that means eligible, meaning again, you know, that you could have some kind of loophole where, you know, I mean, I'm still right now in this weird limbo where none of it matters to me. I'm willing to bet I'll still be there. Elon has said the term followers will change to viewers. And I mean, these are all just themes that you use. So I don't know what they get to change these things. Bookmark features will be updated. Video live streaming is something we can expect soon, which is already happening. Easy scam and phishing reporting features, blah, blah, blah. Twitter. Default for the X app will be the dark. Shadow bans are a Twitter issue, apparently says, but Elon Musk confirmed X will show shadow bans directly on the profile. So that will mean it's not a shadow ban then. I'm not sure what this means because right now that's still happening. People are absolutely, myself included, by the way, I keep proving this. Well, I'll have a video that has more views than anything on the topic and you search for that exact topic and I'm not listed or I'll search for my name and it won't pop up or I'll search for Robert Inlakesh's name and he won't pop up no matter what. Very clear. Speculation around Dogecoin, like whether they're going to use crypto in the payment processing system. So that's interesting, which I guarantee it's going to overlap the same CBDC interface kind of discussion. But it's going in regard to Lindy Acarino. X will go further than any other app in terms of what social media can do for its global town square. Yeah, the everything app. X will have audio, video, messaging, blah, blah, blah. X will be a marketplace for goods and services. X will be powered by AI to connect everyone in new ways. This, is this, isn't this exactly like if this was Klaus Schwab telling you all this, wouldn't you be concerned? Yes. Same reason. X will be an everything platform. He says, my thoughts. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago, people were debating Meta's clone. X Corp may have many steps ahead of the building everything out. I'm just kind of skimming through it, getting to the points. Elon's vision is unfolding live for us to see. Not all features will work, but Twitter was a dying company. Desperate for a new vision. What excites me most is what's to come. The integrations with X. AI and Neuralink. So apparently that's an open conversation that Neuralink is going to integrate with Twitter. 
That terrifies me. Neuralink is an implantable human-to-computer interface, so it allows impulses from nerves to control functions. As the technology progresses, it will allow direct control of X. AI embedded in X. And apparently connected to you. Imagine the ability to think of a command, transmit it to X, and let the app take it from there. Let me know your thoughts. (laughs) Terror! That's crazy. Well... Interesting timing, seeing as how on the 24th, WorldCoin just launched. What an interesting time overlap. Right, well, Robert, or excuse me, Derek already wrote about this. Sam Altman, Artificial Intelligence, the Bilderberg Group, and WorldCoin, right? This is a, this is a coin that literally, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to make this happen. I feel like they're going to have to adapt this to some online version. But apparently right now, the only way to get this is if you scan your iris with this orb. Or one of them. I, I think there's only one, but I get the idea being that you have to scan your irises in person. It says it very explicitly. And then you get crypto that you can use. This is called WorldCoin, guys. This is important in a dangerous way. It's tied in with everything we're talking about. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman recently testified in front of U.S. Senate Judiciary Subcommittee regarding the recent, the recent rise of AI and the potential for disruption for numerous industries. That's a great article you can read through. Bilderberg Group, WorldCoin. It's an alarming step. So right as this happens, to distinguish humans from bots, as we're watching Twitter overrun with those very things, and they're launching all of this, this is all interconnected. And don't forget, We'll get to in the end. Fed now just happened in the CBDC conversation. But let's play this. Just just because I, I want to include this, the timing of this. I'm just deciding if I want to play it, actually. Well, let's play it since I said I would. Let's see. I didn't upload it. Hold on. by a powerful community. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. Over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Actually, I'm going to leave it there and, and play this more at the end, I think. But that's a guy. I just want you know get get to the beginning of where this seems the overlap of the Great Reset and where this seems to be going. But let's see if we can't rattle through this reasonably quickly because I do. I'm realizing that I'm struggling a little bit here. So let let's <clears throat> talk about where this seems to be going and how they want to control your life using your medical freedom, using the overlap of whether you're adhering to these directions. With the cryptocurrency aspect, the social credit aspect, the digital ID aspect, the vaccine passport, how all of this overlaps. But I wanted to include just a quick a quick presentation of how obvious this. I mean, this is what's so hard for me to even include this stuff because, and this is what I was saying before about any of these conversations. 
there, we have every reason to just constantly stay focused on how clear this is. We were lied to. Or with East Palestine, for example. Like, what, I mean, it's, it's, this is what gets me so frustrated. What more can we do besides just standing up yet again and going like, how do they not do anything? Look at them still getting sick. Yes, we can prove they're still dying. My point is, I feel like we did everything we can. It's either on other people to do something about it, myself to go out there and physically do something about it, or for, for it's just the point is we see it. We have the receipts. We can prove they're lying. We can prove people are sick. We can prove that they, you know, everything, and yet it's still going. I brought, I brought this up before, and it's, it's just one, I hate to even bring it up because it makes you feel like you're in, it, it's inept. It makes you feel like there is nothing to be done. But there is, and we're doing it. My point in saying all of this is that what we know this stuff already. <laughs> Literally everything I'm going to say next, you know all of this. Not only just know it, but we've proven this. They're dangerous. That there is no benefit. That they didn't test them properly. They cause myocarditis. That they cause a thousand different things. That they're right now jamming these things forward on the platform without any real isolation. I mean, on and on and on and on. We know all of this. And they just say otherwise. And it's absolutely mind-blowing. So now I'll just, I'll keep, I'll stop ranting. But I just, I, I don't need, I feel like I waste time even including it, but then I waste more time talking about it. The point is that just realize how clear this is. And you guys knew this years ago because we did this together. But more information, serious doubt, which we already well past that point, about COVID vaccine safety after forced release of another 15,000 pages of, this, of clinical data, which we already know that 36% increased risk according to their phase three data from the very beginning. They lied. It's already been exposed. We're already past that. Oh, but we got to say it again, because apparently that doesn't matter. The peer-reviewed science that proves they got caught lying doesn't matter, I guess, to Fox or CNN or MSNBC or CBS. Yeah, because that's the world we live in, guys. We already know all of this. Here's another example. Chief Nerd points out a new, a new peer-reviewed study finds that mRNA-1273, don't forget, that's the original injection that was based on a sequence from China in in January before it was ever like, so two days after this was sent, as I've shown you a thousand times, it was already being used to, to make the sequence for mRNA-1273. That's at a time when China admitted they hadn't isolated it. I argue they still haven't. Nobody. That's a different conversation. But they've admitted when they sent that code, they never isolated it. Moderna has also admitted on the record they've never, ever to this day had something physical. They always have been going off that sequence. Right. So as Trump was saying China lied, they didn't let us know. He was also simultaneously using their genetic sequence for all the vaccines of Operation Warp Speed. That makes sense, right? So they're lying to you, but you blindly trust their sequence without any isolation. Because, you know, that makes sense, right? There's because we're being lied to. There's more coordination than we realize. The point is that's still being used to this day. Think about how ridiculous that is. A new study found that that is causing myocarditis. And it's more common than previously thought. (gasps) Shocking. We know that already, but it's still important to point this out for those that haven't seen it. 5% suffered elevated cardiac troponin levels. That's catastrophic. 2.8% suffered vaccine-associated myocardial injury. 5% of the people, and these are just focused studies, guys, that add on all of the other gigantic pile of side effects. These things are not just dangerous. They're deadly, possibly made this way. Here's a, the study specifically, sex-specific differences in myocardial injury. Many people are pointing this out. Here's Tressie Hogue, MD, pointing out another study on the similar vein. 
follow up through late winter, early spring 2022, 4.8 times more cases of post-vax, post-vax myocarditis than with post-COVID myocarditis, which arguably doesn't even exist based on all the evidence we have that they're not associated. But you can disagree, even if you do. The point is, more studies are finding that it's dramatically showing more after the injection. My point would be, I bet you that a lot of these people that say they got after COVID probably also have injections in their body. Clinical outcomes of myocarditis after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. It matters. Refstaff Levy points out high rates of mRNA vaccine-induced myocardial injury with every single dose. A rate of 1 in 35. That should have been the headline right there. One in 35, but again, my point's like, you don't you guys know this already? Like, to, to, to take the time away from the, it's just, this has already been proven. But we just have to keep pointing it out because they're never going to admit it because they probably see jail time in their future. Think about this. One in 35 after third shot with 50% not back to normal at follow-up. That's a, as they say, this Russian roulette. And the worst part of it is they know all of this. That's what you can prove, that they know this. Gee, I wonder why the FDA asked for 75 years. Totally normal, right, guys? Think about the lunacy it takes to defend that. Here's the study, sex-specific. Kevin Bass points out, both the Moderna and the Pfizer random, randomized controlled trials, on top of showing you a 36% increased risk of serious adverse event, in general, for Pfizer, compared to not taking it, it showed a 60% elevated risk of clotting disorders followed by COVID injection. PubMed, peer-reviewed. But don't, who cares, though, right? Safe and effective. Didn't they just say that? That's all that matters. James Thorpe points out the shots are killing and maybe millions. Wake up. This was the deadliest drug ever ruled out, according to Pfizer's own data. That's the main point about the 36%. It's their trial. All it takes is an honest person reviewing it. And then honest people review it. They put out their new study and they get all the media that says fake news and people shut up and don't point at it. It's infuriating. The point is you can look at their own information, which here is the data. You can scroll through it. I did myself. Here is what he highlights for you. Look at the number of fatal, 1,223 fatal. Everything in here, point, everything about this shows you. Read the stats. It's catastrophic. Think about ignoring all of this. Pregnancy issues, neonatal issues, miscarriages. Mis I mean, it's just on and on. And then, of course, his point is to highlight this after the 18-year-old Bronny James. LeBron James's son suffers a cardiac arrest during practice. You know, a very healthy, highly athletic child, kids, adolescent, or excuse me, young adult, 18-year-old. Cardiac arrest. Oh, and then another one you might have just seen. Former goalkeeper. Collapses live on TV. Totally normal, though. Never happened before this. Like, realize it wasn't just that we just didn't care about them. When's the last time before this you ever saw, let alone this many, collapse live on TV? Whether it's guards at the, for the government or people talking or sports athletes or kids. It's just so stupidly obvious. And don't forget, T-Lab's been knocking this down since 2021. Back when we were called crazy, even by people in the community. Because we care. We don't care. We get called. We care about the truth. Pentagon confirms myocarditis cases and troops spiked after Vax rolled out. Yeah, we know this already. But then, of course, when we see the fallout, right, we're baffled about the increased risk of excess death. We're so baffled. We're so baffled, guys. We're over here going, yes, we finally admit it. Yes, we admit it. Yes, it's causing myocarditis. Yes, it's causing pericarditis. Yes, it's causing blood clots. Yes, it's causing strokes. Yes, it's causing all the other things. But we're so baffled about the excess death. We're, are we confused? 
Now, that's even more sinister. In British Columbia, Canada, there was a 50% increase in deaths in the under 45s compared to 2019. You know, after they all got this life-saving shot, which even studies tried to make the argument that taking this lowered your, your mortality risk in general. Remember that? You'll live longer when you take this shot, no matter what. <laughs> except not, though. Except the exact opposite, because they lied to you. 50%, but we're baffled. Peter McCullough points out that no one knows if these babies will grow up normal. This is a giant experiment. 65% of U.S. mothers took this unnecessary risk with their babies. 65%, even though they, I've, how many times I made this point, their own data to this very point right now says we don't know, we didn't study it. It says it right on their documentation. And yet, your own doctors, the corporate media, the White House comes out and says, do it, it's safe. The CDC puts out a page that says, do it. It's safe. How is this not nefarious? We've proven all of this. It's just, it's just, you get defeated sometimes. It's like, well, crying out loud. How many more times can we point? But here we are. Yeah, these babies are going to suffer. And we tried to point it out long time ago. But we still need to keep going. We still need to fight because you know what? We're saving lives right now by making this clear. Dr. McCullough points out there's an explosion of cancers all over the world, but we're sure baffled, guys. We're baffled about that. Now, he's not, obviously. The point is that this is so very obvious. Every one of these things you can connect to the actual peer-reviewed data and increase in exactly this. We showed you a connection with cancer itself from Swiss policy research, lymphocytopenia, which is a dysregulation of your immune system, which causes the cancers to explode. It's very easy to prove. Or any number of things we pointed out, you can show the connection. Or, as Epoch Times points out, serious doubt that COVID-19 safety after this. Oh, that was earlier. We showed you that. Same point. So, it's amazing that they can continue to put this stuff forward. Now, what I think is very clear is that with everything that's happening right now, I don't know, I'm never going to argue that it's across the board. I, I quite frankly think it's impossible that everybody involved is aware of what's going on. I think it's a very small group if not very small, but either way, the, the rest of them are either too stupid to know they're wrong or don't care for a li- many reasons. And that's what they created with all that happened during COVID. They pushed out all the people of integrity. And so my point is it kind of doesn't really, it doesn't really matter anymore because what we can tell for sure is that some level is willingly trying to hurt people. Now, I wouldn't say that. That's my opinion. But I wouldn't say that if I didn't truly believe that based on the evidence. Now, how do you explain things like this? Which we've already shown you. You can prove, for example, the COVID-19 shot is dangerous. We all know this. The data backs it up, but they're still pushing it, even for children right now. Or in July 14th, they literally approved remdesivir, despite the evidence that showed that 50% of people died in a New England Journal of Medicine trial for its safety. And this is publicly discussed. And they approve this, yet they pretend to prove the COVID injections and never release them. Or they, I mean, it's just impossible. How do you not see this as either a Travis, like that there is somebody out there that's trying to hurt people? Or, I mean, I don't even know how else to see this. Or how about this one? FDA also approves a new anthrax vaccine. You know, anthrax, because we're all so concerned about that, right? For adults, despite lack of publicly available information on testing or ingredients. Now, I was going to do a deep dive on this, but I'm going to wait. The point is that you can dive through this and it's, it's embarrassing. So now we don't even care. You don't need to see anything. We lied to you about the insert for the COVID vaccine. You guys didn't care. So we're just going to pretend it doesn't matter anymore. Safe and effective. 
informed consent just means we told you it was safe. You're good. Take it anyway. It's embarrassing. Or how about environmental? It's on the surface, guys. You think they care about your health? You think they care when they're putting fluoride in your water? Glyphosate on everything around your skin, your clothes, the air you're breathing, the food you're eating? Aluminum, barium in the sky, all these things adding up to cause untold problems in your body or continuing to use pesticides that other parts of the world have proven to be dangerous that they don't care about or approving and using new ones right now that we know as a matter of fact are wildly dangerous that directly affect embryos. That can't be an accident. Or dioxins or PFAS or benzene or a thousand other things, endocrine-disrupting chemicals across the board that are being put into your water supply, put into the world under a multitude of reasonings that they know are dangerous and have hidden from you for decades. Well, here's another example called chloroquat. Surprises me anymore when I find out what pesticides are in the foods that we eat, but I still get pissed when I find out about a new one like Chlormaquat. EWG's toxicologists were testing oat-based foods for an entirely different pesticide, glyphosate. We've been testing oat-based products for pesticides since 2018, and our 2022 samples, we decided to look for a new pesticide. We looked for Chlormaquat. We found it in every single product except one. I think we were all pretty shocked. Chlormaquat is a pretty toxic crop chemical that is banned currently in the United States. The reason why Chlormaquat can be found in food sold in this country is because the American food companies buy oats from Canada where Chlormaquat is allowed for use. Chlormaquat is a pesticide that farmers use on oats to help them with harvesting. We get it that this is beneficial to farmers who are trying to maximize the amount of oats that they get off the field at the end of the year. But we need to push the system so that in doing that, they don't expose us to toxic chemicals. The data we do have raises some pretty big red flags. Data from animal studies show doses lower than what EPA currently says are safe could actually cause serious health effects. That means impacting development and fetal growth and harming reproduction later in life. Those are all really concerning aspects for potential impacts on human health. If this decision by EPA is allowed to go through, we could have a chemical that deforms animal embryos in the U.S. food supply within a matter of months. That's why it's important to submit your comments to the agency and tell them not to allow this toxic chemical in the U.S. food supply. If we're successful, then millions of kids in this country will dramatically reduce their exposures. Before this gets out of control, why not stop it now? There's your website, President the Podcast. I'm not going to read it off, but you can check the site, the show. It, it just doesn't make any sense, right? You, unless you know that there's a choice to do this. How do you make sense of this? As, as Rise Melbourne points out, USA, the insanity continues, the, e- the EPA is set to approve a pesticide called Chlormaquat, which even at low doses has been shown to lower testosterone, big surprise, delay puberty, shocking, and poison the nervous system. Think about that. Now, of course, you could argue depopulation. How about you look more specifically, though? What are we dealing with right now? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, we just talked about this conversation are chemicals causing gender chaos to the point to where he this uh, Jeff writes this just uh, writes this whole uh, book about it 
And it's on the surface of the conversation where there are people within the movement of the transgender movement that are arguing that the use of these chemicals broadly is in fact a liberating force because it's creating people that are transgender. Now, I'm not saying I think that I know that's the reason they're used, but think about how concerning that is. People that are going, oh, good, let's use more of these things because they're causing people to come out gender fluid or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, and also, you know, mentally handicapped and deformed and and all kinds of byproducts, but, you know, whatever else. But that even then, if you read this book, they're talking about that as being OK. What are you racist against people that have deformities? It's like that's how they're framing this. Well, no. But why shouldn't we do our best to not hurt children in the in the womb so they come out with deformities? Like, the idea that it's okay to you all well, come back to that. The point here is that this is being used in Canada, around the world, and the EPA is going to approve it anyway, along with a thousand other things we've already talked about. Here is one of those examples that's been going on for 20 years, along with the dioxins and everything else that they know is there and don't care about, which we proved throughout East Palestine, which still doesn't seem to matter to anybody. Study shows pesticide companies hid development neurotoxicity data from EU regulators. Derek wrote this on the 22nd. Recently, and this starts with a water example, the U.S. Geographical, Ge- Geological Survey acknowledged that at least 45% of the nation's water, tap water, is estimated to have one or more types of the chemicals known as PFP, the PFAS chemicals, known as forever chemicals, as well as lead and dioxins and all sorts of other things, glyphosate, it's all in your water. This, we've proven this a thousand times over. Nobody cares. This is unfortunately just the latest in a string of similar admissions relating to water quality, which have come to light in recent years. As more Americans grapple with the rea- reality that they are swimming in a soup of toxins and radiation, Europeans are becoming aware of the lack of transparency involving studies of pesticides, potentially other toxins. A study published in early June found that some studies of pesticides relating to the development developmental neurotoxicity and DNT were submitted to the, the EPA, but not to regulatory bodies within the European Union. Of course, the EPA doesn't care either, but the EU just got left out of the process, and apparently the EU didn't care enough to ask for them. Between 14 and 21 years later, or between it took between 14 and 21 years, for EU regulators to become aware of these studies. Shouldn't they have asked for them? And, you know, only 21 years, no harm done, right? Well, except that they're very dangerous. Once they were aware of the data, they enacted the safety regulations in some cases and continue to evaluate others later. In their review, non-disclosure of developmental neurotoxicity studies obstructs the safety assessment of pesticides in the European Union, the name of the study. The researchers write, quote, we identified 35 DNT studies submitted to the US EPA and with the corresponding EU dossiers available. Of these nine studies, 26% were just not disclosed by the pesticide company. For seven of the studies, they have identified actual or potential regulatory impact, meaning they hurt people. The researchers acknowledge that, quote, apparently non-disclosure is a problem. That's not rare. (laughs) Shocking. Wake up, guys. It's obvious that this is how this is played. They're just lying and it's it's mutually, or what's the term? As long as they pretend like they didn't know. Right. They, well, I didn't know there was in a study. They just don't ask. Don't ask, don't tell. And disturbingly, that there could be, quote, no reliable safety evaluation of pesticides by EU authorities without full access to all performed toxicity studies. This is a very interesting overlap that brings us into the transgender conversation. It says, unfortunately, there is a history of these pesticides and chemical industry influence on EU regulators. For example, in the 2019, in 2019, the Pesticide Action Network Europe, or PAN, released over 600 documents 
obtained after a two-year legal battle. 2019, guys. At the time of the release of the documents, this is what Payne wrote. 2019. And East Palestine comes up and EPA is like, dioxin? What, what, what are we talking about? What's, what's happening? Like, pretend, We don't know what's going on. Pretended like they don't know what's happening until they got pushed to where they go, oh, well, we know it will be the same as the background. Oh, so the thing that you didn't know about is the same as the background. Got it. It says, quote, they show top officials trying to protect chemical and farming interests from incoming European rules that were expected to directly ban the 32 endocrine-disrupting pesticides. So they were well aware, documented, outlined 32 specific endocrine-disrupting pesticides. The law set out specifically to protect human, animal health, and the environment, and followed 25 years of mounting scientific evidence, 25 years linking EDC pesticides to severe human health impacts, and gender-bending effects on animals. Yeah, let's pretend like they are not well aware of what's happening here. They may be the cause of birth defects that shocked France last year and made international news headlines. So in 2019, they fought to get these removed because they knew they were affecting gender, and then they got pushed back on. The documents, which were released by order of the European Court of Justice, detail an internal struggle between Swedish environmental officials and various European Union officials from agricultural, enterprise, industry, and health over attempts to water down the criteria for EDC pesticides by introducing nonspecific factors like farming profitability. Right, because it matters whether you can make enough money. You see, that's what they do. If you can somehow justify, this is like pretending that vaccine industries need indemnity because, well, we won't get it if we don't give it. Well, no, you, just, you let them work that out for themselves. So if it's an issue that you will be sued then and you can't do it without that, then let's not let you make them anymore, right? The point is, you don't, when, you, you, when you include profitability, well, obviously, you're going to point out that, well, these are more expensive. So it makes it infeasible. So therefore, we have to use the dangerous thing or we won't have food. But that's not true. You see, that's the game that gets played. Pan accuses the European Commission's Secretary General of attempting to orchestrate a flawed impact assessment process and of downplaying human impacts. Look, it's 2023, and they're all being used. Endocrine-disrupting chemicals are drenching this planet, as we can see in a lot of different ways. A 2022 report from Corporate Europe Observatory also shows that prior to the the European Commission releasing details of their proposal to reduce EU dependency on pesticides by at least 50% by 2030, the chemical lobby began an attack on the farm-to-fork plan. The CEO says this counter-lobby of pesticide giants includes Bayer Monsanto, Syngenta, now Chinese-owned, Court Vita, du, uh, du, uh, Dow DuPont. And the CEO writes, quote, this report exposes key lobbying tactics, tactics used by the pesticide industry to undermine and derail the EU's farm-to-fork targets. These tactics range from scaremongering with impact studies, mobilizing third parties, notably the United States government. Gotta love that. So the U.S. government's this tool used to hide what's going on, to put pressure on the EU, to distracting decision makers with voluntary commitments or other false solutions. While fighting reduction targets tooth and nail, corporations like Bayer also lobby heavily for the deregulation of GM seeds from new techniques like CRISPR-Cas and push digital tools for farmers. Look at where we are right now, guys. This is part of their new business model to make up for So we know this. It's on the record. People are calling it out. Entire groups from within the EU are trying to stop these from even being used. Can you tell where we are right now? They clearly lost. 
as the cement. These are pushing Dutch farmers and other well in the world to do exactly these things to stop, to kill animals and to stop farming and to use GM foods and still use the endocrine disrupting chemicals, of course. Even chemicals which have already been banned by the EU, such as neonicotinoids, continue to be used under various loopholes. Neonics have been linked to the harm of honeybees and have contaminated most of the world's honey supply. Earlier this year, the European Academy Science Advisory Council warned that EU member states and industry are exploiting loopholes to just keep using them anyway. After a decade later, Think about that. So they know, I mean, I think it was Albert Einstein said once the honeybees go, that human population is not much after that, that will be gone. I mean, you, know, you can believe that or not, but the, we all know the honeybees are very important to the, the ecosystem, right? So they know this is hurting them and they just find a loophole and use it anyway. And your government allows that, you understand? See, so you almost can't really blame the corporations for using loopholes made by the government. The point is the government either wants this to be used or just doesn't care at all. And here we are, fighting for the truth. And, you know, look what's going on in East Palestine. And we just get steamrolled right over. Both the people suffering and the planet. You know, the ones pretending to fight for the planet. Quote, to claim that the threat to food security due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine means we have to stick with conventional chemical-dependent agriculture is unjustified. Surprise, surprise. This is from the... EASAC's environmental director saying there is plenty of evidence that proposed alternative alternative methods can deliver the same or even better yields while maintaining nature's ecosystem services. They always lie. This is like the GM foods, even though that failed and we're still letting them try. The argument was that we need this to survive. Well, the truth is you made it much worse and they're still surviving. So clearly that was not true. The point was that natural maintaining nature's ecosystems or it will yield enough for everybody like it already does as i've pointed out a thousand times over that we make enough food already to feed the world around and we throw most of it away it's so easy to prove it's not about helping anybody it's about using the hardships to justify their next steps but as we can see here is it russia's fault or is it the reality they've created, which they want to blame on Russia so they can continue to like this is the house this is basically saying that well, because Russia did what it did, well, we can't just grow organically now. We have to use Monsanto stuff, otherwise we won't make enough because it's Russia's fault, even though we already know that won't make enough because it does not in fact translate. GM foods don't actually work. And in fact, they're not healthy, they're hurting people. The see, it's all just this, it's a it's a hamster wheel of lies that don't even connect to each other. All of this is not just about killing you with things that they don't care about or they're using intentionally. It's that they're also talking about endocrine-disrupting chemicals. On the surface, 2019, trying to ban all of them. So the question then becomes, was this just about profit? About not worrying that you're being hurt? Or about using this to create a certain reality? I think we should really ask that question. I, I asked this question in general in June 11th. Are endocrine-disrupting chemicals, EDCs, causing gender dysphoria? Well, the science is very clear. Yes, they can, for certain. Now, I also talked about with uh, Dr. McCullough in the same conversation, endocrine-disrupting chemicals, gender dysphoria, where he argues that even the hormones in the food you're eating, as we know, they're pumping them all full of hormones, are adding to this problem. The COVID-19 injection is considered an endocrine-disrupting chemical. Everything we listed off, everything being sprayed in your food, put in the water, all of them are leading to this direction. Isn't it coincidental? Probably not. 
Jeff writes that this is something that's being leaned into now by people in positions of power because of the fact that they see it as a liberating force. You can read this for yourself. I find it a hard thing to ignore. Now, let's talk about this discussion for a second. You know, because clearly your government cares more about you than the agenda, right? Do you agree with that? Well, one easy way to prove that's not true. I just saw this too, and I wasn't even sure where to include it until I saw this. The Biden family, or excuse me, the Biden administration, let's put it this way. The Biden, the State Department refused, or is it the DOD, refused to pay to ship somebody's body home, a military person, a, a, a military personnel who was left behind in Afghanistan. The, the, the family wanted to bring the body home for a funeral, and the, the government refused. Think about how disgusting that is. Somebody over there, all the, all the screaming about fighting for your troops and supporting the country, and then you won't even pay to have the body shipped back? Made the family pay $60,000 to have their, fam- their, their son or daughter brought home? Now, you may find some reason to make sense of that, except the reality that simultaneously or before this, but same point, the State Department was willing to fund drag theater performances in Ecuador. So you're willing to spend money on this agenda in other countries, but you're going to refuse to pay to bring a military person home who fought for your illegal agenda. I mean, that just makes your skin crawl. Well, Gaze Against Groomers points out the kind of action that we're beginning, that we're seeing all over the place. Now, I recently just wrote about this. The question, are sexual predators using the trans movement? I think it's, it's, I mean, it's a yes. There's no question about that. There's examples all over the place. Does that mean it's all the trans movement? No, I actually don't think that. Does it mean it's the majority? I don't know. It's up to you to decide. The point is that it's undeniable that there are people with autogonophilia, people with weird fetishes, people that are pedophilia, ped, pedophiles, or people that are just trying to, you know, in, in any number of ways, using the trans movement, becoming men or women to, in order to get closer to their prey. And they keep getting caught for it, like over and over and over. So here's an example of something that worries me in this regard. Now, we showed you the people saying, you know, go no contact with your parents, then come join me in this private chat. It just, it's very weird. And any other, before all of this, it would have been seen as a red flag. It is a red flag. Now, this points out Citibank, of course, is sponsoring an all-ages trans-only swimming event for trans, non-binary, intersex adults and children. Except parents aren't allowed. So now you're talking about adult men and women swimming with vulnerable young children. When I, we've proven a thousand times over and watch the show, if you want to be really grossed out about it, that we've already shown endless amounts of examples, pedophiles getting caught in bathrooms, dressed like women, people that are getting caught repeatedly becoming trans so they can get closer to the people they want to manipulate over and over and over. And now we're going to allow something like this. Well, of course, because you're not allowed to bring it up and no way am I saying don't bring trans people around children. That's it's, you're just another person to me. It's like saying don't bring gay people around children. It's just it, it's if you was a bunch of gay people in a weird circle in a secret room and the put yeah I'd think that was weird too. I would any grouping of group of men I would say that's weird. It doesn't matter what you it, it's it's the circumstances that are uncomfortable, especially since we know that there are people that are using this, but they'll want to make it about how we're somehow going. What's wrong with trans and children? That's not the point. And some people it may be. To me, it's the circumstances. It's the way that it's being presented, and the fact that we do know that people are getting 
close to children through this movement. It says they booked an entire public pool and the entire building will be empty to ensure privacy. Also, they can use whatever changing room you want in the empty building. So now you've you got children changing next to grown people who are, I mean, this is rife for abuse. I mean, this is really uncomfortable. But if you, I, I just put out a clip about this. Have predators infiltrated the trans movement? Watch the clip. This is on Sovereign. This is our Substack. Scott put out the same post. Predators are using the trans identity to get closer to victims. It's not up for debate. But we, again, if you really, I mean, we went through it in depth on this show to show you the many different examples where they've been caught, arrested for doing exactly this, where pedophiles are trying to become different people in order to get closer to who they're trying to manipulate. Here's an example from Redux. A man who beat two babies to death is now reportedly awaiting breast implants after being transferred into a women's prison, which is also part, this is the Telegraph. Male sex offenders are now faking trans identities to move to women's prisons and then raping women or offending people there. This has happened over and over, and yet we're not allowed to talk about it. I mean, for crying out loud, you know this is possible. So when we have things like this happening, we should be really concerned about this. And then let's talk about the parents' rights in general. After all of this, and then knowing there's risk, there's an aggressive effort to just remove parents' rights in general. Parents are being stripped of their responsibilities and rights, especially concerning health care. This is an application of the it takes a village ideology, which I believe Kelly Clinton started that, where the government shuts out the parents. As it says, a parent from Elkhorn, Wisconsin, sent me this quote. I noticed my 12 year old was taken off the my chart with Ascension, Wisconsin. Found out that my rights as a parent will no longer give me access to all of my child's medical records. I mean, how else do you do this? Is it every child or is it only trans kids? At the very least, it's, I can guarantee you it's, only, it's not going to be consistent. Like, how are you going to justify this? Why, why are you blocking my five-year-old regular kid's medical records? They're not, you see. It's about, the, uh, there's, there's a weirdness around this conversation. Here is, now, by the way, I got to admit, this Governor Phil Murphy just gives, I, I'm not trying to be mean. It's not, a, it's just a personal, I, something about this guy really creeps me out. The way he smiles, the way his half-closed eyes, something weird about this guy. I just, just had to say that because I don't know whether something, it's a strong feeling. But it says this, the governor believes that children have rights to consider gender, gender or sex change without your parents' information. That may be one reason why. But I guess he didn't believe in their rights to regularly attend school in person for two years of the pandemic. Restef points out. Here's what he says. Pick up on some of the things we just discussed there, including. Isn't that crazy? Look, I mean, look at this. I want to pick up. I, God, man. There's something wrong with this guy. I've got to be honest. Up on some of the things we just discussed there, including. Um, when it comes to transgender care in your state, because I know your administration has sued three New Jersey school districts for adopting policies to tell parents if their children are showing signs of changing their gender identity. So suing to stop them from telling what's going on, hiding what they're doing to these kids. Why is Mr. Christie wrong when he says parents are the ones who knows, know best here and they should be involved? with you. Let me say unequivocally, I will not be going to chrischristie.com. Listen, we took these actions because it's the right thing to do to protect these precious young people. So the right thing is to hide what's happening? Like, at what point was it right to hide their choices from their parents? Because you've decided? So if this child wants to have plastic surgery tomorrow, that's nothing to do with transgender or anything. Just wants to get, get, they just want to Get a get a butt you know butt implants something is totally unrelated. Is that okay? Oh, because you've just made the argument that these are surgeries they need 
even though they don't, though. Medically, any reason, just other than personal choice. So that's all it really comes down to. We must be clear about that. Is just the way that they perceive this discussion. So all, all it really takes is what they're showing you is a massive political push to manipulate enough people to think that something that's not is something that it is. And then you can just say, well, we all agree that, that butt implants for children should be allowed because it's their choice. Like, you see how dumb this gets? Like, this is just changing everything because you've decided that. Remember, there's no scientific evidence to back any of this up. This is a complete culture war. Uh, and by the way, Chris Christie was really bad for the LGBTQIA plus community. And he underfunded public education by $9 billion with a B dollars. So with all due respect to the governor, uh, I'm not sure he's got much of a leg to stand on. But parents are always involved. It's certainly in our administration. They're always at the table, and they always will be. Except this one, though. I hate politicians. Except when I'm, except this right now. They always will be, except right now they'll never be able to do it. Like, it's just so stupid. And now watch how she doesn't follow up on that obvious contradiction. But let's be smart about this. Let's protect the rights of these precious kids. Let's do things the right way, the American way. And, uh, and I think it- So if you have a backpack at school and they, can, they think you've got something illegal in the backpack, are you allowed to say, nope, you can't search me because I didn't break the law? No, you don't. Because they say you don't have that right because you're a child and you're in school. We all remember that. How about why does this different? Oh, because they've decided this one's important. See how that works? Sort of like during the pandemic, it was like, no, you can't protest because we're all going to die. Oh, but wait, Black Lives Matter. That's different. So it's okay. It's just, we all see this. We're not stupid. This is politics and nothing else. If we do that in a spirit of respecting everyone's rights, uh, protecting the LGBTQIA plus community. What, What rights are we protecting? There's no rights that are being taken away. Before this conversation was inserted, everybody had the same rights, and we still do. Everyone has the same human rights, and we still do. You don't just get to go, it's a human right to chop off my own arm, and then go, well, we can't stop them from having their own rights. There's a, there's a, this is becoming, is already lunacy. And it's, look, it's already falling apart. It's all, I'll show you that next. Land in a good place. Well, uh, one of the attorneys for a school board in Marlboro, one of these districts, said that this um, blocking of a school counselor or a staff member from telling a parent about this is a violation of a constitutional right for a parent to direct and control the upbringing of their children. Why isn't that right for a staff these districts said that this um, blocking of a school counselor or a staff member from telling a parent about this is a violation of a constitutional right for a parent to direct and control the upbringing of their children. Why isn't that compelling? Obviously, parents are the, the, the existential uh, reality in, in, in the upbringing of any child without question. I don't deny that for one second. But let's not violate the constitution, uh, constitutional and civil rights of precious young folks and many. You see, th- this is a hollow argument. Now, look, I'm not going to ar- as a kid, I remember this very argument. Why don't I have the right to privacy or free speech? You know? But the point is that they've always argued that these things aren't. They, as a child, there's a conversation to be had. That's been like that, that's where I remember being left. But see, now they get to decide that, you know, no, that we have to do, like, I mean, I'm trying to think of an example right now. There's pro- there's examples where children. I mean, just like she just said, the point is that as a child, it's always been considered that the adults have agency over them until they become adults themselves. But that just gets changed. That's like with cigarettes and driving and military, all these different things, which are a little different. But 
So he just gets to double down on the fact that they have rights too. I mean, this it's a it's a hollow argument. Cases who are coming to grips with life and, and as they as they grow up and grow older. Let's be respectful of that. Right. You know, same thing as saying that because a child that wants to do something that's not in their best interest, but because we have to respect their rights, it's I mean, you could it's a thousand other examples. Like I just said, you know, just say you want to chop, do something like or how about we take this in a technocratic direction? You know, talking about implanting things and because that's where this is going. Talking about having some kind of a chip implant or I want to put retina implants or put my I want to do the Neuralink tomorrow. Is that the child's right? Do they just have that right because he's telling you they have rights too? Well, clearly not. You'd be like, well, you don't understand what you're doing. You don't know what that entails. You don't know the long-term effect. But see, that, that seems to make sense, and I, they'd probably agree with that. But not for trans, though, because that's different. It's not, though. It's just different because you want it to be. And there's also less evidence for it. Let's be all in this together as opposed to this us versus them, this mm-hmm. demonizing. Oh, such stupid platitudes. Let's be all in this together. Well, we don't agree with you, man. So how is that possible? Just, I, politicians, especially people like that, they're just not smart, man. They don't. I, I argue he was just blurting out whatever somebody wrote down. I just, it's how do you, how can you argue? Let, let's be in this together. So we have diametrically opposite opinions, but let's just do this together. <laughs> Explain how that even makes sense. Politicians are so stupid. Okay, so we have examples like this that I think are very interesting. It says, what are your thoughts on adult surgeries? Because I saw a video the other day about a guy who's a man who just said, I decided to get vaginoplasty because I just want to be a man, but I wanted a vagina. So, I mean, you see where this is going. This is becoming, as she's writing here, just like random adult surgeries because for recreational sake. Should we outlaw recreational surgery on sex organs? Because it's not plastic surgery. It's plastic surgery is skin, right? This is genital mutilation of a sex organ. Why do we not recognize that? Now, again, you as an adult, quite frankly, you can do what you want. But then it comes really, when you see the overlap to the, where the, where children are being pushed into this, it becomes obvious that there's a problem and it's focused on them. But this is where it becomes even more ridiculous, right? Because you can see how this is just not stopping. Right now, they don't want to talk about it. There's all sorts of different groups. There's people that identify as vampires, people that identify as reptiles. I'm easy to look up. They're not that small. It's kind of alarming. But are we supposed to recognize that too? You see, they don't want to address that because you have to say yes. Otherwise, it ruins all of your agenda. That's why they're pretending it's not there. Well, here's a problem. These are people called otherkins. They identify as non-human and they want extra limbs and tails. Remember that? teacher that said they were a satanist that said i play with the kids they come to my house remember they had that little fake rat that little raccoon tail there's a real group like this so what happens when they want to identify as non-humans they want to graft animal tails onto their bodies i mean it's really not that much far-fetched guys this is where we are right now of course they would go that's lunacy well it's a group it's real you can listen to them talk about this stuff has anyone felt like they're missing extra limbs or other having a tail? You realize how close this is to being exact. That's where this goes. So what happens when your daughter stands up and goes, I want to put a rat tail on my back. And then they say you have to because that's her choice. They have rights. Clearly, this is ridiculous, but this is also happening. So going back to somewhat reality, I guess, the lunacy that we're in as the reality Here's another example of a kid who woke up and realized they made a gigantic mistake, and nobody cares about that. In fact, the, the community calls this person transphobe. 
says they're just actually depressed. It has nothing to do with the fact they really are trans and don't listen to everybody else. So suddenly their opinion no longer matters once they disagree with you. So it was never really about their opinion. It was about you. This, all of this seems to be inherently selfish. But this is somebody telling you they made a mistake. Listen to their story. Hi, everyone. My name is Bren. I'm a detrans man. I started transitioning when I was 15 years old. It began with my social transition. Um, just changing my name and my pronouns. By the time I was 16 years old, I was prescribed puberty blockers and estrogen, which is a cross-sex hormone in my case. And by the time I was 18 years old, I underwent sex reassignment surgery, in my case, which was vaginoplasty. Growing up, I was always a gender non-conforming child. I always gravitated towards activities and hobbies that were considered to be feminine by society. I enjoyed things like playing dress up, painting my nails, liking the color pink. I definitely had the stereotypical markers of a trans childhood. Um, and that was something which, by the way, are basically just stereotypical child issues. If you really do take a step back and realize most children go through a little bit of sexual confusion, especially before and after and through puberty. But today, you've got a very, very nefarious group sticking their fingers right in that process and saying, no, 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 you're just trans. Come over here and let us be, make you a, a, you know, you know where it goes. And that's what's happening. In that, I basically lived with um, until high school. I was ridiculed and bullied for just basically being feminine. And on top of that, dealt with sexual harassment and assault. It's also possible that he was just gay. That's a huge conversation that nobody wants to have. Lesbians too, who feel like they're being erased because they are. Like you can even just see statistically speaking, it's going down as trans goes up. And people are just saying, well, it's because they were always trans. Well, no, you've got this, this industry, this waterfall of people coming out the other side and going, I made a mistake. I was actually just a lesbian. And nobody wants to hear it. Only from other male peers um, over my gender nonconformity. I was also um, becoming friends with a lot of other transgender individuals at that time. And that's not to blame my transgender friends for making my decision to transition because that was entirely personal. It was just... Through those friendships, I was able to really learn about what it meant to be transgender, what gender dysphoria is, and sort of the signs and symptoms that people associate with being transgender. Um, and for myself, I truly believed that that was what I was and um, that that was the path I needed to take. And now being 23 years old, obviously having been through surgery, Ah, man, I forgot this one. So here's the other video. I don't know why YouTube or Twitter doesn't let you download. Well, because they don't want you to download them, actually. Here's the second part. Let me see if I can play it right here. Well, being 23 years old, obviously having been through surgery and been through that entire experience, I know differently now. I started to question my transition at age 19. 
one year later experience of healing from sex reassignment surgery was extremely traumatic and rough i dealt with all guys guys, that's because this is this is frankenstein surgery there is no long-term studies to even back this stuff up like it's not rough and traumatic yeah that's a real if you listen to some of these horror stories Half the time, it's not even functional or working or even like the point is you could as as what's his name? I forget his name. Ah, gosh, I don't know his name. The guy from Matt Walsh's documentary, the one that got, you know, the, uh, Steve, Steve Nugent. I think it's, it was Nugent's last name. Gosh, I hate, I can't remember his name. The point is that he's made that point a lot. That they, they, you're going, you're just basically just, he, his life has been nothing but just recurring infections over and over ever since. Because your body's not, it's, it's, it's repelling this. It's not supposed to be happening. So the point is that you're in this situation where you, this is like even the point about the whistleblower. They, they said they're doing this to people that they barely people that are psychotic, people that have ADHD, people that are coming like schizophrenic that don't even say they're gender dysphoria, and yet they're funneling them through surgeries. And this is having very serious like the idea that these people can have you know cramps that never go away, or or that individuals where they they end up trying to have intercourse and things tear and break, and it, it's just horrifying, man. You're doing this to children. One of the complications that I unfortunately still pretty early on in that process that I had regretted surgery. Ah, dang it. Um, I just accidentally hit the mute button. I, I can't. This is so stupid. You can't even scroll back and forth. I don't want to restart it. Son of a. So basically, what he just said was that you dealing with things to this day. Dealing with these problems based on the surgery to this very day, which made my point for me, and now I can't scroll back because Twitter sucks. Let's keep going. It just wasn't really something I was able to verbalize until I was uh, being 23 years old. There we go. I take it back. <laughs> Still does suck, but here we go. I knew pretty early on in that process that I had regretted surgery. Um, it just wasn't really something I was able to verbalize until I knew pretty early on in that complications that I unfortunately was extremely traumatic and rough. I dealt with a lot of complications that I unfortunately still deal with um, to this day. And I knew pretty early on in that process that I had regretted surgery Um it just wasn't really something I was able to verbalize until I was um, 19, 20 years old. And started- it's also because you get aggressive pushback from the community, and they know that. Discovering D-trans communities online. Um, that's when it clicked with me that the feelings I was feeling aligned with the experiences that a lot of people were contending with. And that's when I slowly started exploring my birth sex again and just being male. That's when I realized I was always a man, um, always will be a man, and um, that there's nothing wrong with that. But coming to that realization is not easy. Detransitioning is hard. Think about what they did to this person. Going through transition as a child and then realizing as an adult that, that wasn't what was right is hard. Yeah. I just wouldn't wish this experience on anyone else. I really wouldn't. Um, 
it's a tough experience. Knowing that I will never experience quite normally things that we just consider to be completely normal. <laughs> um, God, that's so heartbreaking. Our sex, I, I just will never experience as a human. My God, that's so heartbreaking. I mean, really, think about what she's ultimately saying there, or he, I guess. Right? I mean, like, take a second and really reflect. So basically, this wasn't like, oh, I just changed my mind, and now I'm... Like, so you're coming to the realization that you weren't transgender. You were a kid that was confused. Always a man. And some... Whatever this enterprise is, convinced you to get surgery to remove your genitalia. I just, I mean, I can't think of, I can't even make sense of this. It's just so mind blowing that this is a real thing that we, and, and in real time, we're watching people speak out and go like, you know, cause you might expect they might just come back around and go, no, it's all okay. I, I was trans. I've just changed my mind now. So now I want to be a man again. And that's all okay. Cause that's happening too. No, this is people that are waking up and going, this was all bad. I was never, so it's arguably some people at the point to where they might start questioning whether trans is even a real thing. That's a whole other conversation. But that's, these people are at this point where I'm realizing this was always wrong. The whole process was horrible. The feel, it was painful. It was rough. That I was never, like, right away realized it was wrong, but I couldn't come to terms with that. Like, not only are you dealing with this horrifying situation, but then you're dealing with the entire social construct that makes it near impossible for you to do this. See, people, unlike this person here, that may not have the fortitude or the courage to stay, they will spend the rest of their life trying to force in the political agenda because they don't know what else to do. God, and you ask why I keep covering the story. It's just, this is gigantic. It's just, it's crazy, man. Well, Oli London points out, again, there's good stuff happening, that four detransitioners have now filed lawsuits against the doctors that cut off their body parts direct accountability for these doctors that took surgical action without any long-term evidence. Yeah. Doesn't that matter? So here they are. Now this one I've been trying, this was, this is Prisha. I've reached out to her to interview her, but apparently her lawyers are wondering because of this, what's going on now that they may not want to do any more interviews. So I'm waiting to find out, but you guys should support them. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and do this because they are going to get attacked mercilessly. They must know that. So good for them. Takes a lot of courage. Gays Against Groomers points out, upon closing their largest child sex clinic, which is the real thing, which is unbelievable, lawyers in the United Kingdom expect about 1,000 families to join a medical negligence lawsuit. We can only hope that American families are able to do the same once this medical tyranny is rightfully banned in all 50 states. Or maybe not, though, seeing as how it takes 20 years for the U.S. to catch up with this stuff. But the Tavistock Gender Clinic, which we've been talking about the Tavistock Center forever, to be sued by a thousand families. And in this country, it's not only not slowing down, it's getting more, more faster, which is how it tends to go in the good old US of A. Well, Sal Diagras points something out, which I think is important for this, and then maybe rapidly, we're almost three hours finished. I, don't, I, I can almost tell you right now, I'm most likely not going to do a show tomorrow, guys, but I wanted to get this done. Much of what are called social problems consists of the fact that intellectuals, or they consider themselves such, have theories that do not fit the real world like transgender theory. From this, they conclude that it's the world 
that's wrong and needs changing, not the other way around. Quotes Thomas Solwell. That's a really insightful thing to think about. And maybe, and it doesn't have to be nefarious, not, this, not the thought, I do believe a lot of this is, but the point is that these intellectuals may actually rationalize the idea that they're, and this is what this, all this does, the way the government is, the media, they convince these people that they're better, they're morally superior. So when they all collect in their Davos back rooms and go, well, climate change and, you know, whatever else, some of them really begin to believe that this is, well, we need to change the world to fit the way we think it should be, not the other way around. That, that is literally the Great Reset. That is what everything else that's happening right now is around the idea that they're using COVID-19 to force in the way things should be more equitable, which, again, as people pointed out, is just sort of a synonym for, for communism or some other form of that kind of government, which, by the way, is just as dangerous as democracy or whatever else you want to point out. Look at where we are right now. We have to be aware of that government can always collect at the top, always. It ends up being about the people involved and the people in charge, as always. The point, though, as I think this is quite literally what we are in right now. And what they're going to do is find ways to censor and control and manipulate and drive you into a state of fear to continue controlling your lives. What better way than the un... un Another completely unvettable conversation. Just look at, you know, it's hot today. Climate change is what we keep seeing. Any different thing ever, whether hot, cold, raining, dry, it's because climate change, right? It's, it's just, it's becoming absolutely absurd. It's been absurd for a long time. Dr. Simon Godek points out in 2018, Professor Anderson from Harvard warned we had five years to combat climate change and predicted no Arctic ice at the 2022. Well, it's 2023 and his predictions aren't true. And don't forget that they're not saying, we did it. We did just enough to stop this. No, no, they're, we, they're telling us we failed, and it's not happening. So prediction after prediction after prediction, and they're wrong over and over and over, and yet we just keep going. Sort of like the population bomb and any of these number of things we keep, with Corbett and I have talked about, right? They, and everyone's hard. Well, you're wrong. It's totally true. Well, you don't just get to keep making a prediction, and then when it doesn't happen, you go, oh, no, I meant later. It's sort of like the, the Y2K kind of thing, or, you know, some of those grifters kind of carried it on for another couple of years. They went, I, I spoke to God, and he told me it was actually 2025, you know, whatever. Some people went along with it. And here we are, same kind of thing. It's the same kind of concept. We have five years to save ourselves. Well, they keep turning out to be wrong, right? Solar panels turn out that they're actually more carbon intensive than they claimed. Michael Schellenberger points out, people say solar panels don't produce carbon emissions, but they do. And now a major new investigation by the Environmental Progress drawing on the research of, this is Enrico Marinetti, finds that solar panels made in China produce at least three times more carbon emissions than the IPCC claims. Now, why would they hide that? Because all of this is a massive illusion. Not to say we're not ruining the planet, but idea of removing carbon and green reset and all, that's all not the, act, the facts are counter to what they're actually pushing. Well, here's another example. These, next, these couple points are about the illusion. Not that green energy can't be used and made into something that can be utilized properly by choice for those that want to try to make, you know, never force. But what's interesting is that you, what we're seeing is that it's almost been set up to fail. Both the, the, the solar farms and the, the wind farm, <clears throat> they're being made in a way that guarantees they will fail. And I argue that because I would argue that, of course, you can make a windmill that will work and produce some level of electricity. Well, give electricity to the world, but you could start there and build and then slowly try. Nope. They're going to force in something that's already set to fail, which makes you realize that it's not really about what they say it is exactly as the point we always make. 
This is simply showing you, as Bernie Sweets points out, that these wind turbine farms are all failing. And not only do they not end up working or lasting, but then they leave these massive turbines to rot on the ground, leaching toxicity into the ground. So just like the rest of them, turns out to be actually more dangerous to the environment than in the first place, and probably was the entire point. I'm coming through here because I've been told that there are old turbine blades that have been just dumped here. Here they are. This is renewable energy, by the way. Remember that word renewable? There's, there's, there's nothing much renewable about these things. They, they, these are old turbine blades, quite short ones actually. I mean, they look big, but they're some of the early 20 meters, I think. And um, now they've worn out. You can see, you look at the quality of it. There's not much life left in that. Can you recycle it? <laughs> Good luck. Great beached whales sitting here, these massive, they're not that massive, they're the ones we've seen in action today, so when they run out, of course, what are we going to do with those? Same, same deal, right? right? Just sit here. This tells the story, though, $1.4 billion for the Chilumban wind farm, and Jeez. in 15 years, they'll just be... Right, so all it really was is a, a, a money funneling process. Who knows to where? Right. Because they're dumping all this money in these different examples and it just it just falls flat. We just pointed this out. Remember where they lied. They, they, the, the argument was they cut down 14 million trees to, to put up these wind farms and they lied. They said fake news. But it only recently came out that, oh, turns out it was real, but it was 16 million trees, according to the Telegraph. But nobody cares now because we're past that story. We're focused on this cat toy today. Right. But they lied. And who cares? <laughs> Because we're all a bunch of followers. But the point is that clearly this is not green. You're cutting down the trees the more, that are far more important than some artificial concept of renewable energy for the moment that actually do help replace the car. But the point is that all of that in general is an illusion. But the bottom line is you're doing things that hurt the planet more than ever under the guise of something that you and Greta decided were good for us. Like it's just such a childish game. Hillary Clinton steps in and says, hot enough for you. Oh, why? Because we're pretending it's getting extra hot in other places? Well, I guess apparently she says, thank a MAGA Republican. <laughs> okay. Because MAGA Republicans are running countries around the world? You guys are ridiculous. Because the bottom line is just blame MAGA Republicans because that's our clumsy, ham-fisted narrative right now. MAGA, rad guy, white supremacist, Quincy Nazis. That's, that's what they got, apparently. You're losing, Hillary. I think we all begin to see you guys are failing and nobody's trusting you and your narratives are falling flat. I mean, this is so embarrassing. And we just showed you that putting up articles, this place is hotter than everyone else in the world. And then you, so every other place is doing the same thing. X, this place is warming faster than anywhere else on earth. It's like, how can they all be warming faster than each other? That's pretty dumb. Well, here's the headlines. Phoenix gets record 19th day, 110 degrees. Well, look at the, the degree. 110 degrees is not that hot, especially for Phoenix. These people are using your lack of information to lie. The bottom line is, even if we have a hotter year than ever, the point is that what they're lying about is so clear. But all that aside, even if it's all true, they come MAGA Republican? You realize there are even Republicans that agree. The point is, what do you mean MAGA Republican? Like, they've all played this game. Where, what, what does that even mean anymore? Are you talking about someone who wears a red hat? Or somebody who voted for Trump? Or any Republican, which is really what you mean. It's just clumsy. 
They're losing. All of them, by the way. But this is all they've got. And it's just so sad. Now, I'm actually going to skip this. You can watch this for yourself. I'm going to wrap this up. But the point is another video. Going back and showing you that they've been, this, this is on Fox News. And they're breaking this down, showing you they've been lying for a really long time about the climate agenda. Bernie's Tweets points out that farmers are in lockstep now as reports demand whales, excuse me, that the governments are in lockstep now as reports demand whales must reduce livestock numbers to hit net zero. Right, because we're in a struggling issue where we don't have enough food or infrastructure because Putin, but we're also going to demand you kill them all because net zero. And it's totally not that why it's like it's, it's so obvious. Are we still pretending Putin's the reason everything's happening? A reminder, agriculture is the number one source of income for whales. Net zero fanatics will destroy the livelihoods of millions. Major challenges for Welsh agriculture, as report says, it must cut back on livestock farming. How does this make sense to anybody? You're talking in, 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 in Denmark, in, in, in Welsh, you're just telling to remove food that is needed while you're claiming people are starving? I mean, this is just lunacy. Well, here's probably what we're going to do next. The next pandemic could spring from U.S. meat supply. That came out on the 23rd. Well, I, I wonder who told, I wonder if Bill Gates gave them that information. The point is clearly suddenly they're going to go, oh, no, cows, and then you kill them all anyway, which is, by the way, already what's happened. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's certainly possible. It just seems all these different things pop up. What do you mean the next pandemic? Well, you could write an article about anything. You know, the next pandemic could come from that, that room over there. The next pandemic could come from China. The next pandemic could come out of space. You could write an article about anything. So why would they choose to write this one? Well, because that's probably somewhere they want you looking. Yeah, it could come from there too. But let's focus on that one. Here's a really sad, I will play this one. This is actually hard to watch. This woman complains to Trudeau about what she's struggling with in regard to her bill, even though she still supports him and asks for his help. And listen to the way he responds. And this is what people around the world are dealing with. People are struggling right now. They can barely pay their bills because of what the government's doing. But it's all Putin's fault, though, right? You have failed me, and I'm asking you here today to fix that. Something's wrong now, Mr. Joe. My heat and hydro now cost me more than my mortgage. I now... I now not only work 75 hours a week, I stay and work 15 hours a day just so I don't lose my home. My hydro bill, my hydro bill I want to share with you, a single family home, one person who works hard with a brace up to her leg, partially paralyzed every single day I put that brace on and I'm proud to be Canadian, but something's wrong with our system and I have faith in you and God that you're gonna work hard to fix it. How do you explain to a woman how she is supposed to pay a hydro bill, $1,085. And I did it. I've done it. I've done it for the last year. I lived without hydro for five days after paying a $680 bill. They showed up one day. I'm asking you, Mr. Trudeau, and here is my question today. How do you justify to a mother of four children, three grandchildren, physical disabilities, and working up to 15 hours a day, how is it justified for you to ask me to pay a carbon tax when I only have $65 left of my paycheck every two weeks to feed my family? A lot of Right, so the bottom line is on top of everything else we just talked about. You know, because Putin, it's all his fault. Paying more for food, paying more for electricity, paying more for everything. 
then they're going to come around and ask you to pay for carbon while they give all of their high-level companies and themselves passes for ESG, right? Because, well, we need to use gas for, for freedom, you know, that kind of nonsense, while they make you pay extra. Because this is the scam. Carbon tax in general has always been a scam because these bigger companies are going to just pay and keep polluting. Or they're going to get passes for all sorts of credits and loopholes, which is how the government operates. You are just going to pay more for gas or you're not going to use it. That's how this works. It's, it's, I've been saying this from the beginning of this conversation. Whatever you think about the term of climate change, believe it or not, the bottom line is that carbon tax is a scam. Even if you think it's necessary, the point is it either needs to be applied across the board. Look, first of all, it shouldn't happen, period. But hypothetically, if it were going to happen one way or another, it should be applied evenly at the very least, right? To argue that somehow, you, I mean, because all this is going to be doing is moving the share onto you. They're going to suck more wealth out of the small people, just like with COVID, and con condense it more in their pockets. Now, listen to the way he responds to this grandmother. Actually, really quickly, let's read what he said. After a struggling grandma explains how the carbon tax will cause her not to be able to feed her family, as she's already down to her last $65, these dictators are evil. They laugh while you suffer. He responds with zero compassion. This is literally what he said. Elements come into your... Physical disabilities. I'm working up to 15 hours a day. How is it justified for you to ask me to pay a carbon tax when I only have $65 left of my paycheck every two weeks to feed my family? A lot of different elements come into your, into your question. A, a number of them are provincial. Uh, hydro bills are uh, provincial. But as you point out, uh, the, federal, uh, the, the federal government's decision to put a price on carbon uh, is something that we have uh, moved forward with. And it's one that is uh, causing consternation amongst uh, a, a broad range of people. And I, I understand because uh, carbon and carbon emissions and carbon uh, is part of uh, everything we do, whether it's uh, heating our homes or getting back and forth from work uh, or, uh, or in, the, in the products we buy. Right. So I understand. Next question. Cool, right? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that sucks. I have plenty of money, though, so I don't worry about that. Next question. I mean, really? And she just nods along because she wants to believe in this guy. That's the savior complex. That's what we all deal with. I can't believe that. I mean, that guy is a really, really sinister person. Like, you have no, you can't, I mean, at least pretend some compassion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, carbon. That's going to be, that's going to be how we have to do this. You know, that's the, that's the gist of what you get from him. That's incredible. Well, as Whitney points out, and we're beginning to see this more and more. Nigel Farage, we saw, I think, Bridgeton. We've seen the trucker convoy. Well, now add Mer uh, Mercola to the list. A major banking ma bank banning Dr. Joseph Mercol Mercola and his accounts is a sign of what's to come for any dissident. J.P. Chase is your organized crime masquerading as a bank. They backed a child rape operation, Epstein. You want to stop the deep state? Take your money out of Wall Street now and find a small local bank. They are moving fast to tie your money to the social credit media accounts like X, Twitter, online activity. Say something wrong online, your bank account's closed. This isn't a distant future. It's, it's almost here. I think it's here. The new Twitter X is part of it. Find alternatives now. I agree. I've been writing about this for years. Check out my work on the World Economic Forum, Partnership Against Cybercrime. This is their playbook against FBI, DOJ, and banks are key players. But what we're seeing... Here is the retail health company has Chase accounts suddenly terminated 
owner of Critical COVID Vaccines FDA, the owner of Mercola Market, Dr. Joseph Mercola, has criticized COVID vaccines and the FDA. This is just the article in case you want to read more on it. Here's Mercola himself. Chase Bank has shut down our business bank accounts along with the accounts of my CEO, my CFO, as well as their family members, including spouse and child. That's called vindictive. That's malicious. That's going above and beyond. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, you want to sell things we don't like? Guess what? That's what dictators do. They refuse to provide any reason for doing so. The oldest account has been active for 18 years. This is where we're going. This is not tomorrow. This is right now. They are shutting down any kind of, you know, anybody trying to, I think that's the main issue for them right now is that he's selling vitamins and all all sorts of other things. As Dr. Said Heider points out, I just tweeted about how my business bank account and PayPal were shut down. Yeah, my PayPal as well a while ago with no notice for no and no reason. And today my Airbnb rental was canceled three days into a 28-day stay. Think about how crazy this is. Now Mercola tweets about his bank accounts along with those of his CEO, CFO, and their spouses and children are shut down. No reasons, no due process. This is the passive-aggressive, dystopian, woke, social credit hellscape that is our dying country. Now, of course, I do agree with the, what the woke part of this, but I, I don't. I, I, I caution people away from thinking this is leftist going after right wing. I just that's that is always going to mislead you. That's not really what's happening. Not in my opinion, anyway. I mean, part of it could be guiding individual choices, but from the larger agenda, hardly. I don't think that's what's happening. Liberty Lockdown makes a great point here. In light of Mercola's debanking today, he thinks it's worth explaining something in detail. This is important to understand, he says. Mercola was highly critical of COVID vaccines and offer alternative health treatments. J.P. Morgan Chase shut down all their accounts without warning. He says, I've seen some recommendations that people should transfer their business to smaller banks, which I actually I agree with. That's what Catherine Austin Fitz would argue. I generally agree with this advice, but there is a major risk factor you need to consider. I agree with this, too. Earlier this year, during the banking crisis, the Federal Reserve established a bank term funding program to offer loans of up to of uh, uh, loans of up to one year to eligible depository institutions that were in crisis because of what they were doing, mind you. So it's problem, reaction, solution. No explicit capital thresholds were given, but the bar by which eligibility was established appears to be 200 billion plus in assets under management. In other words, small regional banks will not qualify, which means potentially that your deposits over $250,000 will not be insured in smaller banks. So this is what he's arguing, essentially a means of scaring you into the bigger banks. So creating the legislation so they, they and then probably people will write about it. You know, the insecurity of your small credit union, get ready for those kind of articles coming out. I am of the opinion that this capital threshold was no accident. Debanking is a major tool in, in, in implementing a social credit system. In the Fed, once you forced into larger banking institutions because the federal government wants you scared into silence. Just as we saw with the Canadian trucker convoy, right? Banking behemoths like, and of course, Nazi overlap, can't miss that, which was ridiculous. Banking behemoths like J.P. Morgan Chase are now essentially backstopping, backstopped in full by the government. This, and to some people, that may sound good. This means that they are guaranteed ultimately by your tax dollars. Yeah, some people may go great, right? But this means that your deposits held there are pretty secure, solvency-wise, they are, they are in jeopardy if you are a political dissident. Since J.P. Morgan are acting as a quasi-government institution, I believe that they should no longer have the right to turn away customers over political beliefs. Their customers should now have First Amendment protections. 
During the next banking crisis, the smaller banks will be left to fail. If you choose to deposit there, please be sure that they are taking proper financial precautions and have an elite risk manager. In the meantime, pressure your congressional representatives to pass legislation, which makes the fully federally insured banks criminally liable if they refuse business to depositors over unpopular speech. They can't have it both ways. If they want all the benefits of being part of the government, then they need to honor our constitutional rights. I agree with that. If they don't like that, then they can refuse all the backstops. This will be a major issue moving forward, and I just wanted you guys to understand it fully so that we can advocate for liberty-oriented solutions. Now, I agree with that. It's a great point. Now, Catherine Austin Fitz, I actually just listened to her speak at a local, she gave a speech in Tennessee the last uh, few days before I hit her back, actually. She, this is where the sovereign bank comes in. She's really pushing a lot about this, and I agree. I think this is really important, like a gold-backed local sovereign bank kind of a concept. That's where this, that's where this comes into play. They'll fight that. The government will push back aggressively on that, but there's ways to make it happen. But, you know, you can also do things locally with your own. Like, I think the idea of creating some local transaction concept, whether it's barter, trade or something else, little, you know, small one, you know, little silver tab pieces, like whatever you I think that's the way this needs to people think that's crazy. Quite frankly, I think using a fiat currency based on nothing is crazy, but each your own. Now, the last few points, we know the U.S. banks. This is really interesting, by the way, this Federal Reserve. U.S. banks have a 0% reserve requirement since 2020. I didn't know this. If John deposits $100,000, his bank can loan all of it to Sarah. So now John has $100,000 in his bank account, and Sarah has $100,000 in her bank account. It used to be fractional reserve as a percentage. $100,000 was just created out of nothing. If John and Sarah go to the bank and take out $100,000 in cash, the bank doesn't have it. It's called a bank run. But you can see it says reserve requirements. As of March 15th, though, uh, like everything else, during the pandemic, the fake pandemic, guess what they did? The board reduced reserve requirement ratios to 0%. This action eliminated reserve requirements for all depositor institutions. Well, maybe that's why they were so scared of the bruns and stopped people from... Think about how crazy that is. That's maximizing their potential to profit off of you. And increasing their liability and risk with the risk to your money. For their benefit. Nothing is their benefit to you at all. And then, of course, we have FedNow that just came out. All of this is in line in the same direction, guys. It's all driving you in a very clear digital currency CBDC direction. And we also, of course, have Russia that comes out right after this or right on the same time frame, 24. So four days later, Putin signed a law introducing the central bank digital ruble. Not a cryptocurrency, as I understand it, but a digital ruble backed by the central bank. So very important because this goes against what we're understanding with BRICS. If we're talking about BRICS with a gold-backed currency, how does this make sense? Now, maybe there's a way this overlaps, and that would be really concerning. But as far as I understand it, gold-backed currency should be physical no matter what. But either way, this is not this, this just continues to show you that Russia and China, they're all in the same direction, which is not in your direction, guys. The idea that we have to pick one of them to be the good guy, the bad guy, that's just binary childish thinking. They're all out to control your life. But as Link says, as predicted, exact same rollout as the injections. Putin signs law on introduction of digital ruble in Russia. Russian citizens will not be forced to use the digital ruble. It's up to you. And use of the CBDC will be voluntary. And the government, the court, but, but I promise you, this is what we keep telling you. Just like, How many times have I said this? It'll start like this. Then they'll say, hey, hey, use this. You'll get free benefits. Go to the front of the line get a discount, whatever they want to do, and then it will become, if you don't do it, 
You go to the back of the line. You don't do it. You're going to get a penalty. Then finally becomes do it or you're killing grandma, right? Or whatever the equivalent will be to this discussion. Do it or you're increasing climate change. That's probably what it'll be. And then it will hurt your social credit score. And then you won't be able to use the app. And then, you know, and it all cascades in the same direction. We'll end with this video. Interesting. What this really is, is a clip of Mickey Willis. I don't know why people don't cite these things from the, uh, the latest great reset, greater reset, or, you know, excuse me, the uh, great awakening movie reawakening. I just want to play this clip. It's of Klaus Schwab and the history and where this seems to be going. I'm not going to forget. I'm going to play this on the way out, but I wanted to end with this pretty close to three hours. I went way longer than I wanted, but I, I realized I really wanted to get all this out because I realized about halfway through that I'm guarantee I'm going to need to rest up tomorrow. So thank you for tuning in today, guys. And I think I think this it's so important to see where this all goes. All of this is it's just such an obvious linear direction. It all interconnects. Now there's other things, facets that go off on the different sides, but it's so clear where this goes. It's very alarming. Now that we let's remember that it's not fear, 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 danger, we're all gonna die. What we're seeing right now is nothing if not positive. What you're doing and your efforts, your awakening, your awareness, it scares the hell out of them. So they're rushing this in faster than ever. And maybe there's other reasons around why that is happening. But the bottom line is you're having an effect. People see what's going on with the injection. It's a positive thing. We've never been able to reach each other as much. We've never had enough more impact on the narrative. You're saving people's lives every time you talk about this stuff. So please see the positive in all this and realize what good you're doing in the world and how many people's lives you've touched. The community we have right here, this is something special. So please don't get scared away by the negative because there's a lot of negative to point out, but it's important that we're aware that it's happening so we know how to put our positive on top of it to make the world better. Thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Some people would say this revolution is characterized by the fight of robots against human beings and we will win this fight professor klaus schwab was born in 1938 in ravensburg germany where nazi crimes against humanity were committed his father eugene wilhelm schwab was the managing director of escher weiss ravensburg a company that used slave labor to manufacture weapons of war for the Third Reich. While Klaus's father was at the helm, the Nazi party awarded Escher Weiss Ravensburg the title of National Socialist Model Company. Years later, Klaus Schwab joined the board of directors at Escher Weiss Ravensburg, where he played a key role in the development of South Africa's nuclear weapons program during the darkest years of the racist apartheid regime. Today, Klaus Schwab is the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. If you'd like to meet the people who are supposed to repair the state of the world, or give a piece of your mind to the bankers who helped get us into this mess, we can tell you where to find a lot of them. The World Economic Forum. Founded in 1971, the World Economic Forum is an international private organization which receives billions of tax-free dollars from its members and their global enterprises. Every year, the WEF brings together its members with world leaders, big pharma executives, tech titans, Hollywood celebrities, media personalities, and internet influencers to meet in the secluded mountains 
of Davos, Switzerland. It is a tiny town folded into the Swiss Alps, a village where you could bump into Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, the head of Google, and the Queen of Jordan, all in one place. A lot of reporters cover the forum, but few get inside. It turns out there are two Davoses, one you see and one you don't. After hours, there are hundreds of private parties where deals are done. People who can't be seen together in public can meet here. Your Royal Highnesses, Excellencies, distinguished heads of state and government, the future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. Klaus Schwab, the founder of the WEF, is particularly upfront and even proud of his ability to shape and influence world politics. I created the community of global shapers as a means, as a force to shape our common future. And of course, their Global Young Leaders program is a grooming ground so that when they ultimately infiltrate cabinets, we penetrate the cabinets, they will likely tend to govern a certain way. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. The names in the countries he mentioned ended up being some of the most dystopian and authoritative during this pandemic. Names like Bismarck, uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on. Other names? Jacinda Ardern, Sebastian Kurz, Mauricio Macri, Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Ma, Gavin Newsom, Stefan Bansell, Chelsea Clinton, Leonardo DiCaprio, Sanjay Gupta, Dr. Leanna Wen, Alexander and Jonathan Soros, George Soros' sons, and several of the Rothschilds. And, of course, now who could represent such a world better than you, Prime Minister? In 2014, Klaus Schwab called for the Great Reset. We need a Great Reset. Which he positioned as the solution to the world's most urgent issues. The dark reality of Schwab's agenda is detailed in his best-selling book, COVID-19, the Great Reset. His in-game mission is to replace independent governance with a top-down controlled, one-world government and a central bank-controlled digital currency.